What's really good, everybody? This is Nathan Albach, and welcome to the podcast where we get into people's stories and go down a bunch of rabbit holes about what's really good in the world. <laughs> can never say it seriously. Uh, I got no special announcements right now, so we can just jump right into this thing today. Uh, for this episode, I sat down with a childhood friend of mine, John Moyer, and it was a grand old time. Uh, John shared some of his story from growing up in an adopted family and just how he's learned to process and understand his personal identity. Uh, he was born in Honduras, and the community that we're both in now outside of Philly is predominantly white and affluent, so we got a bit into some of the cross-cultural elements there. Uh, we also talked about his struggle with addiction over the years, which I really respect just because I know it's no easy thing to be vulnerable like that on a public platform like this. Uh, I always joke on this thing about just how scary it can be to publicly express your experiences and opinions today um, when it seems like all of us are just way quicker to judge than we are to understand. Um, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. You know how it is. But yeah, uh, what else we talk about? We bantered a bunch throughout the podcast on the topic of race in America and just how the kind of ideological divides are just really, really hot and really polarized right now between people. And we also got into, of course, some MMA and jujitsu. Um, John's a practitioner of those sports. And we also talked about religion and a bunch of other stuff. So it's always hard to summarize these things. It's like, how do you summarize? up a two-hour conversation i don't know but yeah anyway as always i really appreciate any feedback you got for me or for the show um, i'm available on every social media platform if you search my name and please smash that star review button on itunes five stars if you really dig it i mean i'm up for honesty though so if you don't think it's a five-star podcast whatever that's on you i understand <laughs> either way it really helps get the uh, podcast in front of more eyeballs which is very helpful and I think that's everything. John's a super endearing and just genuine guy, and I'm really glad we got to have this conversation, and I hope you get to take something from it as well. Now let's get into what's really good. John Moore, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> you wore that uh, that shirt. It's a, it's a good like shirt. You like that shirt? <laughs> Who gave me this shirt? Was it like my mom or something? No, it was you. <laughs> I was at a freaking UFC event. At the UFC, right? Yes, right, right. yes. For, for people listening, John's wearing a uh, Steakum shirt. Yeah, rocking a vintage one. Yo, it's like I get an original. so many compliments on this thing. No, you don't. I really, really? do. But it's like, where did you get that thing? I'll be like... Bro, oh let my me God. tell you, my man runs the Twitter handle. Dude, that's so funny. I was trying to explain it to my mom. I don't mom. even wear them. I was trying to explain it to my mom. I was like, so, yeah, like, brand names, Twitter, like, you would think, like, what would they talk about other than, like, their food? But no, it's a thing, mom. Yeah, like, you it's know, like a personality. And, you know, she, like, 40 seconds into it, just kind of starts staring off. I'm like, all right, I lost you. But, um, <laughs> yep. yep. Dude, that's like but any... it's, a, it's a funny, I mean, hey. 
it's great. It's weird times, right? It really like is. Like, everyone's doing weird stuff. Like, I just can't. Yeah, and I think I've seen even you post, too. And I know you see me posting a lot of memes and stuff like that. Oh, There's yeah. so many layers upon layers of, like, social media, and it's just, like... I don't know. You just either get it or you don't. Yeah, and the subcultures are amazing too. Like maybe Love the it. style of memes that you're into, maybe I don't know as much about. So when I see them, they really get to me. Like I die. You know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. there's all these different kind of like weird genres of the humor, and it's it's always a fun time. I love it. But yeah, man. I mean, we were just talking before we started recording. It's crazy that uh, I've probably known you longer than I've known most people in my life. I want to say, was it is it kindergarten or was it first grade or uh, second grade? I, yeah, I want to say kindergarten, actually. Going to a Miss Gerhardt's bus. Grace Christian, and you yep. went to, was it, we shared a bus, right? Yep. Penview, like, they dropped you guys off first at Grace Christian, <laughs> and then they dropped us off at Penview. So crazy, man. I so, know. Yeah, we were, we were joking before, like, I, is it, was, it's my memory, like, I remember yes, you bullying I, me <laughs> on the bus a little bit. <laughs> and, like, I'm, me and my brother here, like, I, I have a uh, an adopted brother as well who's, um, Six days older than me. I mean, we come on the bus, these little little brown boys, and we got the bowl cuts. <laughs> the bowl cuts I yes, was yes. I mean, we all had the bowl cuts, but I mean, we really rocked it. I, I just don't remember bullying. I remember beating up on my brother. Yeah, you know, <laughs> poor guy. But apparently, it's extended up. Who knows, man? Memory is so fickle in general. Like I can't even like the things I remember from between first and third grade. It's like all a blur. Like all I remember right. the weirdest stuff, like being bad at violin. And uh, I remember Tyler Jones. <laughs> Get this story. Oh, I've wanted to have Tyler on the podcast forever, but um, yeah. I don't know if he'll come on. But yeah, uh, in in third grade at Grace Christian, I remember him and his brother, older brother Brandon. They were new to the school, and okay. I'd, I'd been there since kindergarten. And uh, you know, it's private Christian school. Like we're all like a bunch of yuppies. Like I was yep. seven or eight or however old I was. And um, Tyler Jones comes walking onto the playground. Like first his his first day of school and like we kind of had like our little clicks you know and we're mm-hmm. standing in a little huddle of dudes and he comes over and he's got the bags under his eyes you know like even that young because he has really? like the uh what, what do you call it? like um lactose intolerance oh, it's or, like a real thing yeah I don't, I don't know what it is he doesn't really know either because he thought it was gluten for a while i don't know but he kind of just like naturally had the bags there oh. and he, you know, he looks like a hoodlum like he's got like that look to him wow. and we see him and he's walking over to us and we're just like huddled together and he's just like hey any of you guys want a sig <laughs> Dude, third grade, like it was him and his brother Brandon. Like they'd oh. get him from some guy at a convenience store. And it's I'm just dead. so funny thinking back at that time. Like we were children and <laughs> still That's friends. Wild. Like, right. All still friends. Right. <laughs> Man, but anyway, I don't, I don't want to go off too far before we uh yeah, before we get yeah. give people some background like who you are or whatever. I was saying before it'd be cool. Cause I mean, we've known each other. Like our families grew up together in a lot of yep. ways. Um, yep. So we're 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 buds. But like you and I haven't had like a one-on-one, like deep talk like this. I don't think so. No. It's even interesting for me. Like I don't really know too much about your experience growing up, other than yeah. what I saw on the outside. So like, what was it like for you growing up? You know, like being adopted with your brother from uh, Honduras. Yeah. So um, I was I was born in Honduras um, near the Nicaraguan border. And um, me and my brother, <clears throat> I was born in a in a city closer to Nicaragua and then um, brought to an orphanage uh, in uh, Tegucigalpa, which is the capital city. Mm-hmm. And we were there in an orphanage, um, I want to say, until we were about 11 months old. And, you know, it's just so funny that the stories that continue to be told about um, 
you know, me growing up and, and the way in the state I was found in, I was premature. I was maybe like four pounds. Really? You know, but that makes complete sense. Um, you know, I'm actually going on a missions trip um, back to Honduras for the first time in my adult life um, with this with this organization called Healthy Nuños, mm -hmm. and they talked about how how many of the children are just malnourished yeah, and underweight, right, right. And, you know. So four pounds, you know, probably about average. Yeah. Um, so they they told me that they didn't. The way my parents tell me, they didn't have enough big enough boy clothes to fit me. So they found me in like a pink jumper. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, adorable. Yes. Yes. They thought I was a girl. You know, they thought we were going, Oh, one boy, one girl. Nope. Aha. That's amazing. Deceptive from the beginning. <laughs> That's me. That's me living a double life. But, um, That's tremendous. So we were adopted, um, at about 11 months old. And I remember asking my mom about it. I was just like, so what was it like, you know, going through the whole adoption process? And she said, you know, it was hard. Um, you know, we had some some different opportunities elsewhere that just didn't pan out. Like there was a there was a child in China that mm -hmm. we were looking at. I think another one in Nigeria, maybe. Um, and I'm thinking about this. I'm like, wait a minute. I wasn't even your first choice. <laughs> Wait a minute. Mom. <laughs> In the third round. <laughs> Jonathan Moyer out of the Goose of Honduras. Say, like, hi, I got the name called. That's rich, man. Yeah, so I was like, wait a minute. She was like, look, you're here. Just be happy. How old were you when you like first started asking about it? Uh, I was probably... Mm, five or six okay, you know i didn't wow. get i didn't get too deep into those questions that that question um where i learned that was kind of more like a maybe eight to nine mm -hmm. year old range um yeah but i i mean obviously i would go to school and whatnot um or these larger um community settings and i would notice you know that my we, parents and I did not have the we're same. We're in a very like yeah, white suburban exactly. community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the phenotypes. You know, our skin color was not the same. Our hair color was not the same. Our facial features were not the same. You know, um, but they were never. They never. They were never shied away from it. You know, they were just like, yeah. Um, we adopted you and your brother from from a country called Honduras um, when you were just very young little babies, and um, we've been your mom and dad ever since. You know. Yeah. So I was like. Okay, cool, cool enough for me, you know, just go around, right. you know, like, go do whatever five-year-olds do. And yeah. That was, that was enough, you know. And I think I think it was cool for me as well to um, grow up with a brother. Um, and it's funny, we're not actually biologically related. He is six days older than me. Um, you know, there, there's all these, you know, people wanting to be culturally sensitive and, you know, like politically correct and whatnot. Me and my brother, even though we're not biologically related, look almost the same so it's just like <laughs> they all look the same all, no, these two, you could pass two. as brothers yeah for we, sure. we could actually pass yeah, as yeah. brothers so and we got the same skin complexion almost the same hair type you know about the same height um but you know it was great growing up with with a brother and just you know kind of having him um be my my person you know through everything um you know I, I really love him we have a very close relationship um even though, you know, like the first time you met us, we were on the bus fighting. Little you know? hoodlums, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's man. That's normal we, we brothers, got into though. It. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Such, a, such a brother thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was really interesting. But then, you know, as I got older, um, I was kind of more curious about the whole cultural thing behind, um, you know, my background and, and my, and my uh, heritage. So, you know, I started... 
not necessarily asking questions out loud, but kind of asking them in my head, you know, I was just like, wait a minute, you know, like, cause, cause in, in the area that we come from, <clears throat> you know, in the schools that we were in, um, most of the people that were minorities were black. Yeah. And or, they, were, they would be from Philly. And they'd actually. be like from Philly. Yeah. 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 Or, or they'd be Asian, you know, a, a couple Asians, not a whole heck of a lot of Hispanics. So I grew up and I was just like, what the heck? What? Where is everybody yeah. that I look like? So you this is like your teen years. You kind of start yeah, to like I mean, ask even questions. Like ten, ten or eleven, okay. you know, I started noticing these yeah, things, right. and I was just like, I don't look, you know. And I think a big part of it, I almost um, kind of wanted to identify with with um, the African American, you know, diaspora because I grew up watching, you know basketball, football, you know, like Donovan McNabb, Allen Iverson, those were the right, guys, you right, know what I mean? Right. Those were the guys. And, um, you know, they were the closest thing to me. Mm-hmm. So that was the only real exposure to people of color that I was getting. So I was just like, man, like, I want to be like that. You right, know what I mean? Totally. So, you know, I was just to, but then I was, you know, I would, I would like do research. I've always been big into doing research. So I'd like, I don't know where the heck I got the information. It was before I knew and could access the internet or Wikipedia, but I, I you know, I, I saw that there was like a small like um, African diaspora in Honduras itself. It's on um, what is it? One of one of the northern coasts where I okay. think a lot of people from Jamaica and other um, places immigrated to, and then you know a lot of slaves are brought there as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh okay, I'm like I'm I'm fairly dark skinned, you know, I must be black, yeah, you know, like I right. must, or at least be at least half black or something, yeah. you know, because. Um, you know, like when we would watch videos in Spanish class, you know, most of those people that they were in the, in the Spanish videos talking, they were pretty light skinned, yeah, you know, or like Rubio and, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm just like, I don't look like that either. Mm-hmm. So where the heck am I? You know what I mean? So I was just like, and then when I did get to my teen years, I kind of finally really did have like this, um, understanding, you know, and, and kind of even picking apart like the colorism, um, you know, I would, I would, um, see people at like the town restaurant, you know, and, and like the dishwashers would be like these Mexican guys yeah. who were like darker skinned. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, he's kind of short. He's kind of dark. He looks like me. That's, what, that's, that's me. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? right. Or I'd be driving by like these nice neighborhoods and seeing people out like landscaping and whatnot. And again, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, and you know, it was, that was its own thing. But unfortunately, you know, like sooner than later, I came to understand that that was kind of like a negative like, those people were looked at kind of negatively, mm-hmm. you know, not even necessarily from, like, a political thing or whatever. But, like, I remember, you know, like, girls in my grade being like, ew, a Mexican. And I was yeah, just like, yeah. I, was, I was just like, well, dang. I'm like, that, right. if that's me, you know, you're probably thinking about me like that. Yeah. I'm like, dang, that, that kind of sucks. So, um, you know, I, I started looking at that and, and kind of developing some of those feelings towards myself. But then... um. Right adjacent to me, I have an uh, an apartment, um, like townhome type of thing with a, a bunch of different apartments. And um, from there, there was this guy that would come in and he had like this real nice, like, um, what was it, a Buick? And it had big rims and uh-huh. dude had like bass in his trunk and whatnot. Totally. <laughs> and he was like, he was brown skinned like me, you know, he had like a chain and everything. And I think um, this was, this was when I started getting into rap. Mm-hmm. I started getting into rap around like fourth grade or so. And um, we, I listened to Christian rap, of course, because that's all I was allowed to listen to at the time. <laughs> you know, I listened to this yes. guy named T-Bone and I was, he was this West Coast rapper. And I think he was like, he was either, he was either 
Mexican or like one of those white guys that could pass for a Mexican. Right. Yep. You know, so I, I saw this guy and I was just like, yo, he looks so cool and he looks like me too. Like yeah. he's not like one of these like lowly peasant workers, you know what I mean? <laughs> Lo and behold, those lowly peasant workers and I look at now and I say, man, those dudes got like of crazy course, yeah. hard work at the time, ethic. At the time, yeah, yeah, but totally. at the time, that's, that's how I perceived it. Um, so... You know, like I wanted to be his friend and he I would always be out like playing basketball when he would pull up and he'd be like, Yo, what's up, man? What's up? You know, and um, you know, like dap me up and I would feel so cool. I was just yeah. like, Yes, like this is validation from my color and my culture. And it's like fourth grade. Yeah, this is probably like sixth sixth grade okay. or seventh grade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he had this son who was um I wanna say around two at the time. Cause I'm twenty. I just recently seen him. He's sixteen. And I'm twenty six. So yeah, he was. I was probably about twelve, and his son was around two. Okay. Um, and we had this trampoline in the back that I would like, you know, go out there and like fantasize about, you know, like jumping around like I'm Allen Iverson, dunking and all this <laughs> stuff. And this this little guy would come up, and he'd be like, "Yo, can my son play with you?" And I'd be like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I was so excited. Like, yeah, so um, and his son would have a grand old time on that thing, and um, uh, this this guy, uh, Joito, his um brother would bring his two his two daughters down, and they would all three of them. He, he had like so there was the the two year old who belonged to Joito, and then um, what is she? She's got she just turned twenty one, so she was probably. I want to say eight or nine. Okay. And then she had a younger sister. Um, so they would come over for the for the summers, and um, they were there originally because uh, an older Puerto Rican couple who was Joito and his brother Moses, um, their parents, you know, they emigrated from here, for from Puerto Rico to here, and then Joito came, brought his son, and then um, Moses would bring the girls down. So um, they would start having um, these barbecues um, out, out back my house and um <clears throat> you know my dad always out mowing the lawn my dad is he's got such a work ethic on him he's always working um so funny like the, the hispanic people that always there's always hispanic people in that in that townhouse that live next to me and they always comment about like how hard of a worker they <laughs> he's is. like always outside <laughs> they're always and, yeah, just like yo yeah. he works like us <laughs> i was just like my man <laughs> you know i'm like dad give me street cred amen <laughs> so um so like i started hanging out with these with these kids um who were closer to my age but then, you know, I, I I grew up maybe it was to about like fourteen or fifteen and I, you know, I was I was starting to become like a younger man and you know, from from having these good relationships with these kids, um, and their fathers, you know, they would start inviting me over to the um to the barbecues and whatnot. Um and it was a grand old time, man. I loved just being around the Spanish, hearing the music, mm -hmm. you know, um, the food. Uh, was that like your first that. experience yeah, in man. that way? Yeah, it was great. They And they totally cool. put me on, too. And they, I, you know, I'd always kind of wondered if I was going to be... Um, you know, accepted or not, you right? Know, like if I right. was, if I was like, and they totally knew I was a square because I was at that point. You know, yeah. I, I, I was totally like a tryhard. You know, I would like rock the jersey. Well, I was gonna say to and being raised by white parents, there's yeah. like that weird cross cultural element exactly. where like your vernacular and like the way exactly. you speak or whatever. It's like there's like that mix where yeah. like you, you're caught in between, and then exactly. when you're with them, it's like, oh wait, I I want to sound like this, but I don't, right. so I'm trying to sound <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I picked up one like. Just a lot of the vernacular, and I'm naturally introverted, so 
and that coupled with the fact that a lot of these guys were just speaking Spanish, mm-hmm. I was just quiet. I was just like taking it, soaking it all in yeah, like a sponge right. and just being like, okay, that's how you say that word. That's how you move. Like, that's how you walk. Like all these different little things, you know, cause I, cause just, I think me as a person, I just observe people and I, I, I pick up and I read them and, and I love doing it. Just, just kind of figuring out how to be like different people. So um, you know, I, I've even been called, you know, like kind of like a cultural chameleon because I can just blend wherever I go because I, I just have these very different community groups that I'm that I'm in, you know, not to go off too far, but like the mixed martial arts community, um, th- these Puerto Rican people that I know living in Haiti, the, my white American Mennonite um, background yeah, and, then, right. and then myself. So it's just, you know, I was just this is kind of where I got my start with all that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I would I would come through and, and, you know, like the older like Spanish ladies would want to dance with me. So I'd be, like, it was kind of <laughs> embarrassing, but I was just like, hey, you got to learn somehow. And I wasn't going to tell her no. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so but, you know, they totally accepted me like the the set of parents, the or the grandparents um, who had originally moved there from Puerto Rico um, didn't speak any English, but they were just anytime I would come through, they'd give me a plate, um, give me a hug, give me a kiss. And I was just so, so different than what I grew up in. Um, not to say that my family wasn't loving, they most certainly were, but it was a different of course, kind of, of expression course, yeah. of love, you know, and I, I continue to think about that, you know, like my my dad being the hard worker that he is, you know, he'll work for you, he'll do something for you, and, and he, he loves this iPad that he has. He's had like three of them, and he'll, he'll just give it to you. He'll just be like, you right. know, like anything I get, I'll, I'll do for you, or I'll give to you, I'll share with you. And then my mom is is uh, is another, like, doer. She's just, you know, like, she'll do something for you. Like, she'll pick up on, like, something, like, a need that you have or whatever from you talking to her, and then she'll do it for you without even, like, asking, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I guess, like, the 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 more passionate, you know, kind of stereotypical um, physical expressions of love that, that are enveloped in the Latino community and, and the Latino way, I was just, you know, for um, another... <clears throat> tidbit from my past and growing up, I actually, um, I don't know if you can see it. I have a scar oh, on yeah, the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. So I had this, um, benign tumor when I came over here, when I was adopted and my grandmother told it, the, told the story yesterday as we were out for my parent, <laughs> my parents, uh, 35th anniversary, shout out to them. Um, I had this benign tumor and they had to take me, I guess, before they got here to this um, doctor in Houston, Texas. And, you know, like my parents were with me, my grandparents were with me um, on my Moyer side. And um, I was just uh, even from then, like I was just quiet. I didn't say much, didn't like not even make like baby noises a lot. I just kind of like observed everything, you know. Um, So they brought me there to get this thing removed. So they plot me down in front of the in front of the doctor and the doctor down in Houston, being a lot of a large uh, Hispanic diaspora area, um, started speaking Spanish to me. And my grandmother would just every time she's just like, yo, your eyes lit up. You were just like, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you right. know? And it was just like so I think in that same way, when I started going to those parties and those barbecues, it was just like something within me like lit up, you know, Yeah. because um, it was just like. This feels right. Right. You know well, kind of I mean? get into like uh, what I guess. Like, obviously, your parents loved you and your family loves you. I know yeah. your family; they're tremendous oh, people. Love them. But you kind of to what you're hinting at here, like just the the cross cultural differences and like how they perceive 
race and like how they perceive like your um like just this whole process of insofar as like adopting you because obviously like the, how they're perceiving this whole situation is gonna be different than how you're perceiving it growing up so like what was yeah. what were those conversations like as you got older dude that's the that's the swiss swiss dutch german in them they don't talk about it man they don't talk about it it's so great yeah. i'm like uh, i'd be really trying to trying to dig into them you know when like, did you start trying to talk to them about I, it? I think when i was probably developing like 13 14 mm-hmm. you know starting to have these like um higher levels of thought and whatnot and i was just like so what 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 made you want to um adopt and all this and um you know my mom, God bless her soul, she was just like, you know, I'd, I'd always kind of dreamt of being a mom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was really something I wanted more than anything. And, um, you know, the older I got, I think we had that conversation again when I was maybe like 19 or 20 and she shared about how she had miscarriages. And I, you know, I was just like, dang, you know, like, yeah, yeah. so I, I can understand maybe that's why she didn't want to go into it too deep when I was younger. Um, but then, you know, I was also like, so why, why international, you know, um, and she was just like, you know, I think it's something that our church had always kind of not necessarily pushed international adoption, but pushed international service and, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to build a global community. Um, so we just it was just something we we wanted to try to do. Yeah. You know, so um, it was interesting, though. My parents never shied away from talking to me about, um, you know, the race stuff and whatnot. They never I wouldn't say they necessarily. um pushed it. like highlighted it totally yeah yeah because yeah. i mean like nowadays if you're about to do like a transracial adoption or whatever they'll they'll almost make sure that you if if you're not of that you know uh child's racial or ethnic group that you have someone there that's going to like kind of help them like ha- a mediator a mediator yeah. essentially to of the culture and just kind of help them you know understand what that's going to be like you know and for um, as much as I, I, you know, love them and what, whatever, I, I know they, they wish I didn't get some of the experiences that I got with, um, that one family, you yeah. know, um, the one uncle kind of has had and has a drinking problem. Um, and that's where I kind of first got exposed to drinking, mm. you know, cause a lot of those barbecues, you know, there's a lot of Corona's going course, around course, and all, yeah. and all, all the, all the <laughs> liquor. And it was just, it was, I mean, it was fun times, but at the same time, it was just like, oh man, at what price? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, Hey, it, it made me what I am. I'm still here. You know, I just gotta be thankful for it. Yeah. I know you mentioned, uh, briefly that like you kind of remember being really young and hearing like some girls say like kind of offhandedly like, Oh, like don't date him. He's a Mexican and, yeah. and like, like aggressions like that. Like do you, Growing up in your school, I mean, as a private institution, like, yeah. what was uh, what was your experience like going through like um, like junior high, high school, insofar as like kind of standing out like a sore thumb? Yeah, I think, I think it was a double edged sword. I think I had those little microaggressions on my mind, but because I had them on my mind, um, and I allowed them to wilt my self confidence, it didn't allow me to be like what I could have been because I was just so, so I was already so sure I was going to get shot down by, Mm. by everybody and everything, you know, and I, I would see things that I think, you know, there was some truth to, um, you know, I I noticed, you know, in, in where we went to high school and whatnot, you know, like the girls, the girls that I tended to like, tended to like either the black guys or like, or, or white guys, you know, and Mm -hmm. I did just didn't seem like, you know, that was, 
that was going to change. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and, and, you know, just thinking in so much as our whole culture as a, as a large norm, you know, like the, the most popular people are not um, necessarily Hispanic. They're either black or white because mm-hmm. the, the majority of artists that we hear are black or white. Right. You know, only now are we starting to hear, you know, like Bruno Mars and, you know, like all like, or, yeah, or, yeah. Even, or even mixed race guys, you know, and whatnot. Um, but, you know, and then even thinking about the culture, about where we grew up in, you know, it was definitely, you know, a lot more like, um, you either had the people that liked the rap and the hip hop, or you had the people that liked country music, you know, and, and I could see those people just kind of sticking within their own, um, Right, like they had their own identities, yeah. totally. So and then you're kind of like stuck in the middle because exactly. you don't have like a group. So, yeah. you know, so rather than like kind of embracing where I, you know, kind of came from, I think I tried to gravitate to what I thought people wanted to uh, see. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, because like, like you, don't, you have to pretend either way. It's exactly. like you have to either have to like, do like not pretend, but like you said, kind of adapt. Oh, like no, you either definitely have to adapt. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. kind of say you can like adapt kind of to different cultural groups. Yeah. Like you'd either have to push more into the direction of like acting white or yeah. acting black exactly. like you kind of have to like pick like a crew that who, who do you want to appease more because you have to fit into one of these groups exactly yeah. and, and you know like I, I felt like i could identify more with with black people because um obviously i have a different phenotype i look different but i couldn't speak spanish see there was the, the language barrier as well so if, yeah. I, if i was able to like speak with the people with that um that looked like me that are culturally like me that are from the same um region as me then you know i would have been able to pick up more on like you know just like the little cultural intricacies but mm-hmm. i didn't have access to that because i didn't speak the didn't speak the language so i worked with what i had yeah you know um and like just seeing i guess um and you know through my relationship uh, with that guy Joito, who became like a like a big brother to me, um, you know, seeing hearing about guys like Big Pun and and Fat Joe and stuff like that, it's like okay, there, there's guys that you know in New York, Brooklyn, all those big uh, Puerto Rican diaspora places that speak English, mm-hmm. and you know, like as far as you could tell, like yeah, they have like an accent on a lot of the words, but the cultural the culture is so shared with African Americans that yeah. it's it's almost indistinguishable. So I'm like, all right, if I go that route, you know, like no one's going to like raise a red flag. Wait, wait a minute. You know, if I come in with like country boots, you know, <laughs> it's going to be like, country boots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, but ironically now I sit here and I think I'm like, Hey man, if I was in San Antonio or Houston, it, it'd be a vibe. Rock you know it, I mean? rock it. Yeah. Cause there's so many in the freaking Kind of oh my god so funny man so do, do you think okay let me ask you this because i again we haven't really ever talked about this before yeah, and i yeah. have my own perceptions and memories and experiences yeah, yeah. from uh specifically like christopher doc yeah. we both went there for yeah. I, I was there for two years and you what you graduated from there right yep. so you were there for all four years yep. um what was your did you i should say this just flat out did, did you experience a level of racism there from your peers that was, like, uh, notable, or did you feel like you kind of got along with the people for the most part? I feel like I got along with people for the most part, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if anything, things were, like, little microaggressions. I think it was actually worse in, like, elementary school and middle school, actually, because, I mean, people would say things, um, you know, and not because they're being they kids. don't get it like they, maybe they heard they from like an older sibling yeah, or, or they yeah. saw like on some show or whatever. exactly yeah. like um 
you know, and so, some of the stuff I'd look back and it's actually, I mean, sure, it hurt my feelings, but it was kind of funny. Like somebody <laughs> referred to me as like Johnny Tsunami because like that was about <laughs> as close as you could get to me at that point. You know, what a I great just, movie. I know, right? I'm just like, dude, he was cool, but I mean, at the time, I let it hurt my feelings. Like, oh my god, you know, yeah. Right? Somebody right. called me like so like somebody well, called it depends me like, how they say it too. Exactly. Like if they're being like a bully about it, then like exactly. yeah, like, like get over your Johnny Tsunami, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, wait, yeah. what the hell, dude? Like and yeah. yeah. And I remember another person called me like a Hawaiian retard. I'm like, number one, I'm not even Hawaiian. Like, oh my god. You know, I was just like, dang, man. So, but I think too, um, I was, I was non-threatening as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like I knew how to like kind of fit in with places and I even still do. I mean, um, you know, I don't know how much you remember, but I, I've kind of always been known for my ability to just kind of make a witty comment. I was just going to say you like that. Well, that's why I asked the question because like at a face value, like if I'm, if I'm going back in time and I'm planting myself at Christopher Rock with us, I can definitely think of us being in the same room where maybe <clears throat> maybe it would be directed at you or be directed at someone else like of, of color, like like uh, like Chris Parks or something that oh, was like <laughs> that was that was there. Like I'm trying to think, like and I can I can remember certain like just blatantly like racist things people would say, but you were very like you just rolled with you know what I mean? Like yeah. you were just very like you you just brush it off. Like I never felt at face value that you were like, I don't know, like damaged or hurt, but that's why I'm asking. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what's going on internally. Yeah. All I see is the John Moyer. Who's like, makes a joke about it then. Exactly. And then like walks off. Yeah. So. And I mean, I mean, if you, even today, people are just like, yo, you are so self depreciating at times. It's almost kind of concerning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, like, it makes so, people wonder. You it know really what I mean? does. Yeah. 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 You know, but like I, I did it to a T cause I was just like, look, if you're going to make fun of me, I'm going to, I'm going to do it better than you. You know what I mean? Just kind of like own it For and sure. not let it affect For you. For sure, you know. Or if I – well, I think at, at this point in my life, I am owning it and then not letting it affect me. I think in the past I would kind of own it, make something better out of it, but then take the emotions that it actually caused and then stuff them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. Like, did you feel like you like, were you're dealing with a certain, certain level of, like, prejudice that you were having yeah, to kind of suppress I, in those years or nothing major? Nothing major. Okay. Yeah, because, like, I knew – most of the jokes were done in like in good fun. It was just because I knew like the delivery and whatnot. It was just like, yeah, like you're saying that, and you probably have like looking back, like you probably had some ignorant attitudes, but didn't we all? At that yeah, point, you know that is. It is tough to like think back to that time period, like just prior to the almost like the mass media machine of internet, because yeah. it was the, the humor. Like I remember even being like on Xbox Live and like mm-hmm. N words are just flying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. just don't. We didn't really think about it. Like, even the word faggot. Like, I remember, like, when that word was, like, at its peak popularity. Right, and, like, right. people just said it so, like, nonchalantly, like, as just a... It was almost viewed to some people the same way you'd say the word jerk. You yeah, know what I mean? Where I was, yeah, like, obviously sure. the people who were on the uh, the butt end of it weren't didn't feel that way. But it's just... It's odd to think back at the time because, like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's a certain degree of how can we... How can we, like look inside someone's head or heart and be like this was your intention because like it's always said in this like joking like there weren't at least not in my not as i recall at least at christopher doc there weren't people who were making overt racist comments in a way that seemed threatening it was always guised under like humor you know what i mean like like you're saying microaggressions so it's like hard to know how much of this was like built on real prejudice or Uh like you said ignorance because like it could be it could easily go either which way so it's hard to know in a lot of those cases exactly yeah i mean even i mean i don't keep i don't necessarily like 
purposely keep tabs, but I mean, I keep tabs on <laughs> well, people, sure and it's memories, just like, yeah, but I mean, even now, it's just like, you know, I, I still have some of those people on Facebook, and it's just like, if I see, like, certain jokes still, it's just like, all right, you might have really had something. Dude, tell me then, about it, man. There's some of those guys I know that I still post certain stuff, and I'm like, man, like, dude, you are a grown-ass man. Right, <laughs> this part, right. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, you have no excuses today. All right, exactly. But at the same time, I'm like, man, like, I had to think about where, where we're from, mm-hmm. with the the yeah. type of people that we grew up with, you know, type of attitudes that, that you know, might are just kind of getting highlighted, you know, the, yeah. the closer everything is coming together, you know. It's well, just... cultural context is so important in that way because it's like this is the biggest issue I think that we're facing. Like you and I haven't really talked about this extensively, but just with the conversation of race at large and most of it's yeah. almost all of it's happening over the Internet at yeah. this point, And that comes with obviously its own set of <laughs> countless issues. But um, just specifically how like those conversations are happening on an Internet level and you have the people who are super whatever you want to call it, tech affluent, who are just like online all the time. They're paying super close attention to all the arguments and they're following the public intellectuals and they're, they're learning and they're like, Oh, like, Oh, I gotta be woke or I gotta like learn how to say this right. Or I gotta, I don't want to offend people in this way. And you have, you have those people who are keeping up with it, but then you have the rest of the world, which is most of the world who just kind of like, they see it on the sidelines. They see like maybe like a police shooting happens or something like that. And then it Uh blows up in the media and they might see like a, a, thing on the tv or thing on their facebook page and then they kind of just like go back to living their normal life without analyzing it any deeper so you have this like broad you know chasm between like the the people who are trying to like learn more about race relations and like the the cross-cultural differences we have and then the people who perhaps grew up in our area in large part at least um who maybe aren't necessarily overtly prejudice but are also willingly ignorant to a lot of these issues because it's not they don't see it as part of like their just day-to-day life like it isn't relevant like they're surrounded by fellow white people they grew up with they're they're locked into whatever their job and their local community and church is doing and it's not really something that comes across the radar so it's like to to expect there's like there's these different varying levels of expectation which is like hard to manage when you're having these conversations for sure and i think for myself you know it was it was I I needed to have that exploration time because it was bound to happen anyway. I mean, I was just, you know, so confused about myself, my cultural identity, and then, you know, subscribing um, because of my own cultural insecurity, you know, to to a lot of the issues that um, black people go through and whatnot, you know, and then Mm -hmm. then creating super close friendships, you know, like in in my um, junior year, you know, I became friends with these two guys. Um, Tommy and and my friend Jason, you know, who were both black and, you know, like, you know, like I, I care about people naturally, you know, so, but it was just like, you know, there's this discussion about how people just use the culture rather than actually engaging in the people that the culture comes from. But I was like, no, like, these are my friends. You yeah, know? Like so you like, felt so, like immersed in it. So yeah. when the police shootings and stuff like that happened, you know, like I was just like, wow, this is really like making me think right now and then you know like one of my best friends um who you know as well um donovan you know he grew up to become a cop and he's he's um half trinidadian and he's half white so like you know like we all grew up together and then we had started having these conversations we were at these parties together um you know and then 
next thing you know, like we're on like opposite sides of this spectrum. And I feel like I, like so many times I'm in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, wait a minute. You know, like that's my boy. But that's my boy on the other side, too. And I'm like, dang, uh, like, yeah. what? what do I do? You know what I mean? So, so I'm like, man, I gotta like get more information. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I don't want to just, I can't subscribe to one side or another. Cause my, my loyalty, I'm not, I'm not going to so split. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, you just forsake one for the other. You know what I mean? Well, so like, obviously going back through all this, like you're talking about, you know, the, the, you're kind of, uh, your upbringing evolved and your understanding of your cultural identity evolved throughout being a kid and becoming a teenager in high school and all that. So, I mean, I guess uh, it was 2013 when Black Lives Matter launched and, like, the shootings became pretty mm-hmm. highlighted in, in media. Was that, like, a not a kickoff point, but was that, like, a, a spark that, like, launched you further into this? Or were you kind of, like, just exploring it before all that? For sure. I, I had been exploring it. Um, but that, like you're saying, like, with but, Donovan, like, did yeah, that, like, that, launch, like, that more? That started it. But, I mean, yeah. even, it was funny, like, I was, I was subscribed to a lot of these issues on, like, a deeper level um, even, I guess even deeper than I thought about, you know, there was, there was this guy in New York, I believe his name was Sean Bell, who got shot up like 42 times or something. It was something ridiculous. And I just, I just had to like, look at it and be like, yo, how is this not news? You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or, you know, like I would, um, look at, uh, I remember this one art project I did. I did Huey Newton. I think it was because um, I had started watching the Boondocks uh-huh. earlier, and the one character was based off Huey Newton. So yeah. I looked into him, like, oh, this guy's like, this is pretty crazy stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I started, you know, like really getting into it because um, I, I like to like analyze things and dissect them. And, you know, but it, but it led me to like, you know, like really finding the heart of the issues behind um, behind the comedy. You know, yeah, right. Um, and given that I, I love laughing, I love comedy. You know, I was just like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll laugh about or laugh um, in the way I guess these things are satirized. But I really want to get to the heart of the issue as well. You know, because it affects people that I know. Right. You know. So like stepping back just from like a, a strictly well, just, well, no, not strictly. Let's say like a a political slash religious identity. Like growing up. <laughs> obviously i mean i know your family and they're pretty conservative christian yeah. um, folks so like did you going through like school and all this going through like the private institutions like did you ascribe fully to their worldview and then did that like shift over time or like how did your i guess views on like religion and politics shift from the time like you were younger growing up with your family to i guess now like was there like a yeah. pivoting point or yeah um or was it just kind of gradual and like you just kind of were figuring out alongside this more like cultural ethnic stuff right i think i was kind of it was kind of more gradual and um figuring it out as i went along um i definitely didn't subscribe to to i guess the political point because as far as i knew the two kind of were really their separate thing mm-hmm. and maybe i was doing that in naivety but you know like it was just like church you know and, and church church what i think of when i think of church at that point was just like service yeah. you know what i mean yeah. i thought about all these mission trips our church was always going on and how i wanted to be part of them and whatnot you know it wasn't really politicized obviously the way it is now um but then you know like i got into um <clears throat> I got into college and, you know, like I, I started noticing, you know, like I guess some of the attitudes that were being um, displayed either via social media because social media was a thing at that point. And I was just like, huh, you know, like then it just it got harder because I was just like, man, like I don't I don't agree with some of the things yeah, you guys are right. saying, man. You know, so um, 
so, you know, I, I got to college and I studied sociology and that was a lot of um, kind of like we talked about, like uh, identity politics and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, just seeing just the chasm grow and grow and grow. And I was just like, man, because sociology, you're taking like a lot of classes that are like specified on specified, race, specified, yeah, yeah, race and, and like, gender relations, yeah, right. you know, like um, Latin America and the Caribbean and, you know, but then I really liked being in Miami for that, for the reason that I didn't come away from it demonizing my own country um, of America. Because, you know, you can look at the Dominican Republic, um, even Puerto Rico, you know, and just, just the level of colorism that goes on there. You know, like I, I in my naivety, I, I thought I was going to go down there, um, you know, because I felt at times, um, I think sometimes it was kind of delusional and self-perceived, but other times it was real that I kind of had faced some prejudice from some of the cops and sure I was getting into trouble I shouldn't have been doing that stuff in the first place mm-hmm. but some of those guys were just like really like giving me a hard time for no reason and, yeah. and, and yeah. pulling me over for no reason you know like one time I remember I was just like like bumping my system and they were just like no nah, you can't do that and I was just like <laughs> is this breaking the law right, right? Like, you know like I, I, I was like a 19 year old kid and I was still about the same size only skinnier so it's just like really like this is the guy you're, yeah. gonna, pick, you're gonna pick on yeah. you know but then I, I, I thought I was gonna go down to Miami I'm like oh it's gonna be this huge hub of like Latino people and we're all just like hold hands and sing kumbaya in, in Spanish I don't know how they say kumbaya in Spanish <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but I'm um, like yeah you know like, I, I thought that's what it was gonna be yeah right you know but I got down there and like it do- did not take long to figure out, you know, like oh yeah, like um the Cubans feel this way about the Mexicans, and the Mexicans right, feel this way about right. the Puerto Ricans, the Puerto Ricans. And I'm just like, are you serious? You know, uh, but I was just, and then you know, seeing the intersectionality of like the colorism and the nas- nationalism, and I'm just like, we're all the same the world over, man. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. So you know, like I I took it all with a grain of salt. You know, like I, but I think that helped shift me back. Um to like the center where I kind of am now. And I kind of appreciate being here because I, I don't want to be too far one way or the other. Cause again, like my loyalties lie on, on both sides and I'm, you know, it's part of who I am to just kind of be a good friend and not, you know, I like give up someone for the sake of something um, that I don't even necessarily su- subscribe to. Well, it's fascinating because yeah, growing up in this sort of uh, this community that we, that we live in currently, I mean, it's a very, it is a very conservative climate, and, like, obviously, like, on the level of conservatism, there's a lot more focus on individualism and, like, just kind of doing things on your own, like, making something for yourself and all this. And yeah. it's, like, so I remember growing up, I mean, it's the whole, it goes back to the whole attitude or, or conversation on, like, colorblindness. It's, like, oh, like, I don't yeah. see race. Like, this, it's this whole idea of just we're yeah. all individuals. Like, you, we just got to be loving to each other. Don't hate people, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. there is like they the whatever you want to call it like the 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 justified part of that idea like it's it's true mm-hmm. I mean like that is like in yeah. some utopian sense like we we want to look toward a future exactly. where we can like just accept people for who they are and like not worry about this stuff but then the other side of that coin is is what you're talking about like when you get into the more identity politics you start to study and understand how these groups entwine with each other and the different power dynamics now yeah. just like with your personal experience like you realize how like listening to you talk about it, i mean it's a very real tangible thing to have a group identity experience and it, mm-hmm. i think it's really hard for people like me who grew up white in a white dominant community where 
being my skin color is the social norm, so everything feels normal. Yeah. So like when I look at you, it doesn't feel like I, I mean I may <laughs> I guess because I'm not prejudiced or but it doesn't feel weird that you're different. But I yeah. think the problem with that uh, mindset is that it's seen the lens it's seen through a lens of being a majority yeah. person. So like I'm I have like the the privilege for lack of a better word. I hate I hate how that word's kind of been like hijacked yeah, for yeah. political purposes. But it's a it's a good word in this sense. Like it's it's definitely the privilege of growing up feeling like everything is normal and according to me. Like yeah. I get to look at all the movies and the TV shows that I grew up watching, it's all white people. Mm-hmm. Like, I get to grow up, like, listening to all these, like, big top charts artists, all, not all white people, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. met most of them white people, and, like, most most of the people in, like, politics are commentating. Like, yeah. it's people that look like me. So, mm-hmm. like, when I identify with it growing up, I don't see anything. I just see what is considered normal. Yeah. But, like, for you growing up in a community where you're seeing the same exact thing you're like wait i don't identify with this like i don't look like this like you can try like you're saying like when you have a family and a community it kind of pushes individualism and pushes this idea that we're all you know created equal and everything which is fantastic and i and i love the sentiment behind that but at the same time like there's always been that part of you that's pulled you in the direction of like i i love my family i get what they're trying to do but also wait I'm not like them. I yeah. do relate in these other ways. I do have yeah. a completely different cultural context. I am being treated, even if it's subtle, like in these very different ways that like the just day-to-day people I know aren't being treated. So that's yeah. a very sticky space to be in, like be- sure. between those two worlds because they are both your realities. Like you're not, you're not like abandoning your family and your exactly. community to go like live in the city and like not worry about yeah. those like dumb people anymore and just vice versa you're not like hanging in at home completely ignoring all like the race politics and everything yeah. and being like oh well, i don't need the complication of that yeah. like you're kind of you're trying to swim down the, exactly. down the stream but i th- i really i really love it because it's it's allowed me to be able to talk to just about anybody mm. you know and really relate to them um you know share share what i've learned from from other people share what i've learned from god share what i've learned from my own life you know and it's just been it's been beautiful man you know just mm-hmm. yeah i mean again going down there um i realized i was i was exchanging one level of anxiety for another you know yeah, what I, mean? I was right. just like here like growing up here in pennsylvania it was just like yeah like i don't fit in but it's it's like i'm normal i'm mm-hmm. used to it like i'm being i'm used to being the the, the yeah, marquee guy yeah, yeah yeah but then i got down there i'm like oh i am that majority but i didn't grow up like you guys mm-hmm. i'm not like you're still you on the guys. outside i'm still on the outside yeah, right ironically the most comfortable or uh, i think about the most comfortable i've ever felt was uh the year that i spent in haiti because like nothing was expected of me there mm-hmm. you know i wasn't i wasn't some some white guy coming down there but I wasn't definitely wasn't a Haitian either. Yeah. So like there was, but there was no expectations, and I had no expectation for the language, for the culture. So I was just allowed to just kind of like be and pick it up as I went, rather than. And it's not like, you know, like there's there's like, um, a different Latino god in the sky, <laughs> like you know, like with a clipboard, <laughs> like oh man, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, right. Not, of course. Not measuring up, but in my own head, it's just that own that's that it's that pressure. Yeah, and you're um, always gonna measure no matter yeah, what. Yeah, for sure. Um. But, you know, like in Haiti, it was just like, yeah, there was no expectations of me. So I was just kind of allowed to just kind of be free and explore that. And I, I really loved that. I really cherished it. So I, I look forward to, you know, going going other places. I, I wanted like to go to maybe like Southeast Asia at some point, you know, because mm-hmm. even though I, I kind of I guess I look especially like Filipino and what I've been mistaken for Filipino a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But, you know, like that's another context where I'm not going to be expected to know the culture and the language, you know what I mean? Whereas I do feel that anytime I'm in, like, an Americanized um, group of people or a Latino group of people. Mm. So, What do you view, I guess, your your, for lack of a better word, your role as, I mean, I don't necessarily mean this in the context of a job, but just, like, mm-hmm. as a person who kind of surfs this line in a way, like, do you view, like, and you're speaking about going to other countries and, and mm-hmm. learning about different cultures and all that, like, do you view this as more of, like, a self-exploratory thing, or do you view this as, like, you're taking in information to then use it towards some means to an end? Yeah, I think kind of both, to be honest. Um, you know, like, I still a Christian. I, I look at people like Moses in the Bible and how he grew up um, privileged in an Egyptian home, um, but saw his own people suffering. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, man, I something's wrong. Something's not sitting well with this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I got to do something. Um, and I, I think about, you know, the, the percentage chance. I don't know how accurate the study I saw and looked up was at the time, but I think I saw it was like maybe 70 or so adoptions out of Honduras at, at, um, whatchamacallit, at the year that I was taking, and it's just like seven, yeah, like 70, so I'm just like, man, that's such a minuscule number, like, man, it's like, I'm here for a reason, Yeah. and I think just with the the personality that I have, the experiences that I have, you know, like, I want to learn more, but then I realize that, you know, when I talk to people, they're just like, man, you're good at, like, relating to people and listening to people and kind of making connections between, like, you know, and recognizing patterns and whatnot, and I'm like, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. I I love this, man, it's cool to figure out, but now I'm like, man, if I could use use that to just kind of like build build bridges and kind of like even like like a brain you know like create neurons between this whole think tank that is the world Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i'd I'd love to do that you know what i mean especially if it means more peace you know tranquility and just you know like understanding between people yeah Yeah. why, why would i not do that how well do the conversations typically go that you have on on these topics with uh other people do like do you tip do you seek them out in a way or is this kind of just like a passive thing they they sometimes i seek them out other times they just kind of happen organically and I, I really appreciate that about them because people just kind of ask me about my life like you're asking me and they mm-hmm. just kind of come up yeah I'm like yeah man you know like you know because i i understand the the fear and you know i feel like we're either driven by either fear or love and just about anything we do and right, i just hear right. so much fear you know um and and hate and anger and that stems from fear and i just you know like i but at the same time i'm just like man no like i gotta tell you guys about about love yeah you know what i mean like i i hear about these things you know that i think a lot of people would take um who are minorities and um learning about the culture history of america and what we were built upon and it's just like man i i really want to hate some white people Mm. but i'm like man like you know, like growing up in my family, my family's white. I'm not gonna, you know, like disown them, think demonize them. You know, yeah, like right. they had, they really had nothing to do with it. Now, you know, are we still working through things? Are we still perpetuating things? Yeah, but you know what? We're we're not really treating our own people that well either. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like we all got stuff to work on. Why don't we like stop? You know, like literally take the log out of your own eye and stop worrying about the speck in his. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's just like, you know, but but kind of explaining the the situations and and the relationships that I have and how I've built them, 
you know, um, it's it's gone pretty well. People are just like, wow, that actually works. I'm like, yeah, it works. That's you know great. I mean? Try it. <laughs> yeah, it's so tough around specifically the topics of like race and ethnicity and all that to get anywhere with this this kind of like paradox, like you listed out the the fear versus love um, rhetoric, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, it's it's tough to address it in a in in what I would consider like a cultural context versus like an individual context because yeah. I feel like. And you, you kind of you kind of just alluded to this. I mean, there's this element of of what identity politics is. I mean, just at its face value, which is just kind of the focal point of a given identity group. Like, there's white identity politics, mm-hmm. obviously, which is more like white, like far right, like white nationalism, and yeah. like and and uh, all that stuff. And then there's just every, every, any given one. There's like there's gender identity politics, there's yeah. black identity politics, etc. And the per- the purpose of identity politics is to single out you know, an issue within a certain community, point it out and be like, hey, this is something that needs to be addressed or highlighted, which is different or separate from the broader culture. And like, these are what's going on. This is how it relates to the other parts of the culture and let's work on it in some way. And obviously that can like, di- that can go one of two ways. That can either work toward the benefit of a society by being like, oh, here's like a gaping wound in yeah. our culture. Let's, let's heal this wound. Or it can divulge into hate and like yeah. and separatism which i mean we see this obviously with with white separatists and nationalists but we also see it with black separatists yeah. too which is like it's interesting cuz it's like been an increasing thing that i've noted like there's been a few, there's a few black activists that i follow pretty closely online and the rhetoric i've noticed the past couple of years has ramped up around this where it's mm-hmm. just the idea that say like just arbitrarily since 2013 when like black lives matter started and then these conversations kind of really took off on like the online mainstream then to now it feels like a lot of people specifically like just singling out the black community i don't want to speak to like every different like ethnic or minority group but like i know there's a lot of uh mainstream public figures who are starting to kind of emphasize separatism in a way um of being like you know we need like black only spaces and all this which part of me when i see it because like you're talking about like this whole fear versus love thing like part of me when i see that it's off put in and i'm like i want i want to be able to criticize it because i'm like wait a minute this this kind of like is starting to look eerily like mm-hmm. a lot of the regressive stuff that we've seen in the past like literal you know segregation mm-hmm. but then the other part of me is like oh well, hold on like is this something that I'm, am I approaching this with cultural ignorance? Like, am I coming to this topic, not understanding the sort of the plight of, of black Americans in this, in the sense where like they are, they, they feel, um, I guess, isolated from the the broader national community at large already. And like Mm -hmm. now they're seeking out to preserve their heritage in a way, which I think is, again, it's this weird tension to be in because I mean, I've heard it described in the sense where, if we look back at history, like just our, like say my history, like my personal, like I'm, I'm a mix of like German and a bunch of other random Mm -hmm. European uh, countries. And like, I can date back my ancestry to like the 1700s. Like I got documents, I can find out like what people's names were and all this stuff. And I've heard it described where like, as far as like what my heritage is, it's very easy to point out. Like you're from this country. I had like from these types of people, blah, blah, blah. But with most, not I don't know what the percentages are, but with a lot of black Americans, they don't have that option because of slavery. So mm-hmm. like their history was wiped out. Yeah. And a lot of these cases were like, they, you don't, they can't even go back more than two or three generations. And if they can, they still don't know like where exactly they came from. Exactly. And there's no like, like when you think about like traditions passed down, like meat, like recipes, yeah. you know what I mean? And just like, like 
norm, like the things that we consider like the normal family, like, oh, like my dad taught me to do this or whatever. Yeah. He learned it from his dad. Like there's so much more of like a disconnect, like, like a wedge yeah. with the black community. So part of me, like when I, when I come to this conversation, I look at it and I'm like, oh, wait, like my context as like a majority white person, mm -hmm. when I view this like idea of separatism, I'm looking at it through a completely different lens of, of misunderstanding, perhaps, or maybe it's not, maybe, I don't know, but perhaps no. misunderstanding because their version of separatism, at least insofar as I'm able to understand, isn't the same as like literal segregation or regressively. Yeah. It's more that they're saying, hey, we need to actually like, preserve what parts of us that we have and, right. and and for like a future, which is why you see a lot of like um, like in like in dating and in marriage within black mm -hmm. communities. Like yeah. we only want to date yeah. fellow like black men and women, et cetera. And so part of me, like I get that part mm -hmm. of me is like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I, I have no idea right. what that would be like. I have no idea what it's like to feel like I don't have a heritage or feel like I'm like a, like in, in the midst of a national identity that I'm not part of or that I don't yeah. have like, like, intimate relation to and and maybe like the only intimate relationship i have to it was my ancestors were slaves yeah. you know what i mean so like part yeah. of me gets that but then yeah like the other part of me which is like the i guess the what, what do you want to call it? like the fallback like me is just like a, a comfortable white person in america like my initial gut reaction is skepticism and like yeah. wait a minute hold up so i i'm i'm kind of with you in a sense like i'm kind of caught when a lot of these issues hit the the mainstream like the limelight I, I constantly find myself pushing and pulling on them because I want to have empathy. Like I want to yeah. understand like where I'm like completely out of the loop. I'm completely like from the outside of a cultural context and I want to learn about it. Yeah. And I also still want to maintain some level of personal integrity and personal, I guess, belief about the world. So it mm -hmm. kind of like those things are constantly at odds because I don't really know what the answer is in a case like that, like specifically around this, this idea of like separatism and like identity politics, because it is such a, a visceral thing. Like you're talking yeah. about like race, gender, like yeah. even like religion to a degree, like very like intimate things, um, in intimate aspects of human identity. Like when you start to talk about them, it's really dicey to mm -hmm. start like making absolute statements exactly. and like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I'm with you, man. Like, I don't, I feel so lost in all these conversations because I feel like not, they, they don't they don't happen terribly often between the groups. Like, mm -hmm. I, it's not hard to find conversations online, like within the black community. Like, you'll mm -hmm. find conversations. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like, like you'll find Tanahasi Coates talking to like Cornell West or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you'll you'll find like tons yeah. of these conversations like within these sort of like semi-related groups within a community, but you don't find a lot of like Tanahasi Coates talking to like ex like um like I don't know like Andrew Sullivan or some like Republican right. or conservative writer like someone or some like white person who maybe falls outside this understanding of identity politics. So it's really it's tough to like move forward with any certainty in any of these areas. It's just it's a lot of ambiguity, you know. It is. Yeah. But hey, we're working with what he got. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, got. how do you feel about like how do you feel like the national conversations around like the topic of race, ethnicity, all this is headed? Like do you feel like it's becoming more I don't want to say like enlightened, but more just like inclusive toward the broader the broader like national community, or do you feel like we're kind of moving backwards? Like what's your like kind of general thoughts? Mm, I think it's always good to just kind of question too like what we see. And what's actually happening could be two different things. Like it could look like it's, you know, like on Twitter or right, something. Yeah, regressing <laughs> back. You know, the the loudest voices tend to be 
um, the most popular, you know, but there could be real people making a lot of real change behind the scenes that, you know, maybe aren't, maybe you're purposely or, or not purposely doing it kind of more behind the scenes just so it's just like, okay, you know, like if we put this on like a public um, forum, you know, like maybe then it just gets like dissected or just, you know, misconstrued and all this other yeah. stuff. Um, and, and maybe it's better if we just kind of like have these, these conversations, um, you know, person to person, like we're having right now, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm really starting to kind of get, try to get back into it. I mean, it's hard too. like, you hold down a job. And it's, it's hard to keep like, up with anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? Even when you were talking, you know, I was just like, man, there's, there's people that go to school for PhD for a PhD in, in African-American studies itself. So they're like, just, you know, there's so much to delve into yeah. on every single level. You know, it's just like, it's, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> well, that's what I, I mean, that's a big part of my thought process with all this because I'm a, similar to you. I mean, I have like an inherent interest in these topics. So yeah. like um, it's almost like my sports, you know, yeah. like I saw <laughs> some people get like super attached to the Eagles or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I like to follow politics at a pretty so not like as there's le- there's always comparative levels. Like I know yeah, people who yeah, are yeah. like so deep in the literature and like right, the source material right. where I'm like, Jesus, like you're a mega nerd compared to me. Right. But I'm like the nerdiest person that I know that's yeah. into the, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it's like there's always someone you to compare care. to. It's part of your soul. Of, it's part of yeah, your being. You right. want to know this. Yeah, so like for me personally, I mean like it is it is really tough, like you said, to know like what the what the broader perception is on like a, a national level and on like yeah. a personal like commu- or more communal level because you just, you see the highlights on social media and it's like, oh God, like maybe in some areas, like, like some other areas over here, maybe it feels like we're getting more, uh, excuse me, more like woke or whatever, whatever. like maybe like we feel that way, but then over here we're feeling, oh man, wow, this is like, this still feels super polarized and, and divided. And I feel almost the exact same way. I mean, in a lot of ways, social media is like a exaggerated microscope of reality. But mm-hmm. like, even on personal communal levels, I feel like it's very similar. Like, there's yeah. people like you, like you, I, who I can talk to, and I'm like, oh, this person seems super, in, super into this, like super, like keen to these ideas and whatnot. Yeah. But then I talk to a lot of other people, and it's like when when I start asking them these types of questions, it literally you can see in their eyes, it's like, oh, they've never been asked this before, right. or they've never, not that they've never thought of it, but they've never had a deep thought about it. It's yeah. like obviously they've thought like they've the ideas have crossed their mind but they've never like explored those ideas which i think is is really telling yeah and i think now that you actually mentioned it about like the communal level of things you know like i i want to become more of a nerd and like the, the politics mm-hmm. you know and that's i i i I ask you about it, you know, like I go to the source, um, you know, and you go to your sources, right, whatnot. Right. but I, I think I, I get my information and my perceptions and whatnot, um, through the things that I'm, I'm interested in like right. anybody else, you know, like, so like mixed martial arts, you know, like we, we, uh, saw the, the, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who, who, who said, uh, Trump told me to knock that Derek Russian. Lewis, <laughs> yes. The black beast. You know, and, and like how well that was received, oh, was you know, so but, but, funny. but like, you know, people within the MMA community talking about Russians and yep. like, you know, yeah, yeah. or like, um, ta Coates, you know, um, talking like 
he's doing the the Black Panther thing and you know like mm-hmm. just seeing reactions to how his new writing style is and um even Captain America or you know right, I love right. movies so like us and Jordan Peele and seeing how well those things are received that are highlighting those issues on you know the the race talk the the classism talk the you know the politics the politics talk you know and just that that's where I get like my yeah. I guess uh my gauges from you know what I mean um hip hop you know like that those places but um yeah and then just trying to tie them together i mean it's it's a lot of work but at the same time it's fun you know like if you liked it like you said if you like it like a lot of people like rooting for the eagles i like i love the sixers and i'm hoping they they pull through and beat toronto you know like <laughs> right, um yeah. you know it's fun like it's 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 gonna turn into a labor of love you know um obviously you know i do brazilian jiu-jitsu and whatnot and i've been working on uh striking more lately and you know like initially um, I, and again, this is where I, that's why I excel. I make connections. You know, I think about um, striking and, you know, initially I was, I was afraid to be in the pocket. You know what I mean? I was afraid to have punches that thrown at me, even Get though hit, I knew yeah. I wasn't going to break or nothing. You know, I was just uncomfortable to be there. And I think for a lot of people, you know, like delving into this political thing, it's just like, oh man, I'm getting punched from every single place. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I have no idea what's coming at me, you know, but then right. you get in there a few more times and you're just like, I believe land a punch and man, it's not going to knock him out, but man, that that's a moral victory for you. <laughs> you what a metaphor. I mean? That's a great yeah. metaphor. And then, you know, like next thing you know, you're working, you're, you're, bobbing you're weaving you're keeping your eyes up and you're like yeah. running more and you're like man i can i can like last a few rounds and like okay now i have things to work on you know and i try to take my coach's advice and he's just like you know hey man you know i like, don't try to be a superstar right now just <laughs> just yeah. you know i like what do you say uh slow is smooth and smooth is fast that's mm-hmm. all you need to work on right now and Love i was that. just like all right cool cool you know and i technique always comes first exactly yeah. submission or position before submission yep. you know like all that stuff man i feel like i've gotten so many life lessons out of out of fighting you know um that i relate to everything else you know what yeah. I mean? my, my my christian walk my my walk in um recovery from alcoholism my my walk in just dealing with politics and different people and whatnot it's it's been great so i mean just yeah just you know like learning how to, like people were i feel like we're in that phase right now you know like we're finally as a nation kind of like through social media in this in this fight and like taking all these blows from all these different angles and yeah. we have no idea what the heck we're doing and that's that's okay yeah but you gotta get in there that's <laughs> such a good metaphor though because it really does i mean i have felt this for years i mean it's it's not a i think people on the outside because we all put on a front just like in fighting like you, you don't want to show that you're hurt you know what i mean for sure when you post like if i'm posting on facebook or twitter or wherever or, or on this podcast talking about politics and if i post then people who know me i, I kind of just personality-wise, like, I just speak with confidence. Like, it's not something I'm trying to do. I just, like, I am that way. So, like, naturally, a lot of times, like, if I put out an idea, I'm putting it out in a way that whether I mean it to or not is coming off, like, it could be coming off arrogant or it could be coming Mm -hmm. off, like, I really, like, feel really strongly about this thing. In a lot of cases, I do feel really strongly about it. But I'm doing it in a lot of those cases, putting on a front that I want people to perceive me like i have it figured out or that i am you know like in some kind of right because the truth is like underneath all that the truth is that it is super damaging to go through the the ringer when you're trying to learn about like these deeper issues in like politics because you're constantly your idea if you're doing it in a way that has integrity like your ideas are constantly being challenged For sure. you know what i mean like like if you're if you're a conservative and you're waking up every day and you're watching fox news or you're watching ben shapiro 
show or you're listening to like Andrew Claven or whoever it might be and that's all you're doing your idea is that you're not even really participating. You're not yeah. like you're just you're it's the same on the left. Like you're waking up, you're watching CNN, you go to sleep watching SNL yeah. or John Oliver or whatever. Like you aren't participating. Yeah. You're just being fed what you already think. But if you're going you're in. You're just working the bag. Yeah, exactly. You're working the speed bag. Exactly. <laughs> but if you're going into these situations like trying to have arguments with the opposing side or trying to listen. Like if you're a conservative and you're trying to read Vox. Or if wait, you're, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but if, you, if you're doing that, like it hurts. It yeah. literally hurts. I mean, like it hurts you on two levels. Whether you, it, whether you go in, whether you're going into it with a learning mindset to like improve in empathy and like see both sides, whatever that might be. Or if, even if you're just going into it for, for your own selfish reasons to like reinforce your preconceived biases, like no matter what, it's painful to absorb strikes from the from your opposition in a way where it's for like sure. making you vulnerable. So when you go to these situations where like you and I maybe are having a conversation where I post on Facebook or whatever, there's a certain level of like having to cut like it literally is like you're fronting, like you're putting your best self out there because you don't want people to see how vulnerable you've really been mm-hmm. and how much you've had to change and like shed colors over the years yeah. and really like it's it's really it's a really good metaphor to put it because I, I do think that, you know, if you're someone who's participating in this spectrum at all, I mean, like you've experienced some type of loss or pain. Like it's impossible. Yeah. I, I joke, like my dad says this all the time, and I, and I say it too to a degree. Like my dad always says, like, um, you can't offend me. I'm inoffendable. And like I love my dad. I think that's total crap. Like <laughs> he, he definitely can be offended. Like there's yeah, like if yeah. I'm going at him, like attacking his identity, For sure. if I'm someone attacking his identity as like a Christian or as a conservative, or I'm challenging, like even just being a white guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if I was just like, you only think this because you're white. Something oh, Truly values. Yeah, of cool. Even his identity stuff, like even just his race, whatever, which I don't think yeah. he thinks about consciously, but if I attack him on that, he's going to be like, what the hell? Like, that's not, right, you know right. what I mean? Like, that's not a basis for you to attack me. Like, he's going to get offended. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, people, it, we all are very susceptible to being hurt in mm-hmm. these encounters. So, like, yeah. I do think that there's something to be said, like you're saying, when when you people get out there, like, maybe they get their first taste of, like, a Facebook argument right. or, like, even just arguing with a friend that sees differently than them. A lot of times, they just like retreat. It's yeah. like, well, I don't want to deal with this. Like these are, this is this is painful. Like I don't want to. I don't want to fight with my mom, or I don't want to fight yeah. with my best friend. Like let's just talk about sports. Let's talk right. about something else. Like we shouldn't. We shouldn't have to deal with this. And I think there's something to be said about like you're saying, gaining that value from MMA and, yeah. and BJJ, or whatever. Like just training and and being able to execute that same value set across these other like like uh, mediums in your life, yeah. which I think is so. That's really important, yeah. I think. And, like, given the, the individualism of the sport, you know, um, I think it can be easy to, like, um, you know, like, think about it, like, <clears throat> I'm going to go in here and I'm just going to, like, do my best and whoop on this guy and, you know, like, good for me. You know what I mean? Right. But it's like, dude, that's your teammate. He's making you better. You know, like, exactly. as a country, we're all we're all stuck here together. Yep. We might as well try to make this like look at look at oh, him like, yo, yes, he's yes, he's yes, on. Yeah. He's why he subscribes to the same gym I am, man. Like, if I don't make help make him yep. better. I'm not going to, what, what point is there being, being the, the best guy oh, in a bad gym? Oh, that's another gym? perfect example. You know it's I mean? like no man is an island. Exactly. It's like, it's like an individual sport. We're watching these guys when, the, by the time they make it to the cage, it's like, oh wow, 1v1. It's just Conor McGregor versus Khabib yeah. Nur- Nurmagomedov. But we don't see, the it's hours. the coaches, it's the yeah. teammates, it's the previous opponents. Dietitians. Yeah, it's the dietitians. It's, it's even their parents, how they were raised. Right. It's their biology. Like right. There's all these other like competing environmental factors that like brought them 
to that moment. It's not. So it is an individual, but it's not. It's right. like it's both. It's right. like the individual and the group together. Exactly. That's great. Oh, I love that. Rises Why is MMA such a great metaphor? Dude, I'm telling you, man. For- <laughs> I'm telling you, man. People don't get it. Like, man, you just like to like roll around with other guys and get sweaty and whatnot. I'm like, dude, it's so much deeper. So, and I and I love, I love that about MMA, um, about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because like in a way, um, you know it allows you to get to know somebody so much better, mm. you know, than just about anything else. Cause you're going to see how vulnerable they are. You're going to see their point of like tapping. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like, um, not to go too dark or anything, but I mean, I, one of my favorite quotes from, um, the dark Knight is, you know, the Joker talking about how he saw those little emotions in somebody in their, like in their last moments. And, you know, like, in in a fight, you you see those things, you know. Yeah, it's just like right. I I see like you put on that front, you know. But I'm gonna we're gonna get there, you mm-hmm. know, and we're gonna see what yeah. you're actually about, you know what I mean. And but at the same time, what I love about MMA is that afterwards, in most cases, you know, they dap it up and they hug. And it's just like, dude, I saw you and you saw me. Mm. We saw what we were about, and everybody else did too. Yeah. But they only got like, you know, like. It as a performance. I got it as an experience. I've, I've like known you. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? definitely. And it's just like, dang, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. if we if we get to do this, you know, like we again just get to see like through these talks, through these interactions, it's just like, man, like I respect you for you know yourself. I've seen into you, you know. Mm-hmm. So if we if we practice that more, you know, and get by, you know, the pride and the front thing of just like not wanting to be hit or like you know all this other stuff and then begin to work on it, see how it changes us um, as an individual, as a community, um, and then, you know, prep for that fight and then go in there and, and like, really um, think not not so much, I think, in in one regard about, like, the end result, because obviously you want to win, but it's like, why why did you you start? You can't control it, yeah. Yeah, why why did you start? Yeah. I think so many times we have have these goals and, you know, like, we're so goal-focused that um, we just continue to, like, settle and settle and settle so we don't feel like we worked for nothing. But if you think about, like, why you started in the first place, you know, you'll come out on top no matter what. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense. You know, I was I was thinking about doing this podcast. I, I um, you know, I was also asked to do, like, a, a Bible um, study discussion a few weeks ago. And um, being an introvert, you know, like, I feel like I have a lot to say. I have a story. Um but you know, I get I get nervous with stuff like of course, that. Yeah. But I'm it's like, natural. but you know, I was I was at work and I work as a, a TSS. I'm like um like a one on one for children with autism, and you know, naturally the other kids come up to me. I had this one six year old girl who loves to come up to me and ask me to push her on the swing and whatnot. And I'm just like, yeah, how are you gonna say no to like six year old little girl? <laughs> you know, so I'm pushing her on the swing. And I'm just like, man, like this is kind of like an act of service right now. And like you know, like, I'm not nervous about this. You know, like, I'm just thinking about, like, man, I appreciate the little f- friendship that we have right here. Um, so I'm just like, man, like, if I'm thinking about, like, why I want to do this um, Bible study discussion, why I want to do this podcast, it's because I love people, man. And it's just like I want to share about what I've learned. And if I feel like I, if I can keep love and those um, those intentions at the forefront, you know, it'll come out better than me thinking about, like, oh, was that perfect? Oh, did yeah. I did I land that right hook just right? Oh, did I drop that right Bible verse? It's like no, if I do it with love, it's gonna come out right. Well, when you approach it in that way too, I mean, it's obviously just 
going back to this metaphor of like even just in training or in a, in a real fight, either either or, it it hurts a lot less to get punched or kicked when it's someone that you know cares about you. Like if you're right. training with someone who you've trained with before or you know, and you're sparring or whatever, and you and you land punches or kicks or whatever, it's a way different feeling on a visceral level than it is if it's a stranger like if it's right. a stranger like you're naturally more afraid like there's like you don't there's all these like elements of the unknown it's like what kind of person am i dealing with here like right. how when they hit me like how are they gonna feel when they after they hit me are they gonna kick me when i'm down are they gonna right. help me up and i think that's a really interesting way of putting it because go, again going back to this metaphor of like speaking with the like let, let's just say like the broader community of the of the world or the country whatever because most people like let's be real like most people in the history of ever and the and the future are never going to be that deeply invested into politics like it's mm. never been a majority it's yeah. never going to be a majority like yeah. most people are too busy like they have other interests like they don't there's only so much time in the day you right. know what i mean like you're not everybody's not gonna be like some socioeconomic like whatever like professor nerd writer whatever so in terms of like getting them to participate or communicate or progress or whatever that might be it's it's better like no one wants to take punches no one mm. wants to step into the battlefield and get hit but we all do like we all yeah. get hit no matter yeah. like we, whether we participate or don't like we are all being affected by government policy and we're being affected by cultural norms and like we have to get out there so i mean yeah. in terms of like who you want hitting you like you want like your friends to be the like the, right. I, w- I would want someone like you to speak to me about race because i know you care about me versus someone who i don't know who could like then i'm I just, I'm, I'm not saying me literally but just like yeah. as an example like some stranger who could like hurt me you know what i mean yeah. like if you're, if you're talking to joe schmo down the street who's never had this conversation before and it's really intimidating to him he's gonna be nervous yeah. talking about this and like and a lot of people when they get nervous they're they're like we they're said dangerous. They're, yeah well their base reactions are fear so yeah. it's like they react out of fear and when people are afraid they do dumb shit like they they hurt other people they re, they recoil they get reclusive whatever and it's 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 really i i love i've never thought of that as a metaphor and it's, like, it's so crazy how many different ways there are to like use it in applicable real life circumstances so but yeah, let's let's uh let's let's jump back since you brought it up just kind of naturally. I like how mm-hmm. we we entwined it into that whole broader conversation. But like, what initially got you into MMA and and this whole scene or whatever? Yeah, so I was um training for track and field. Um, I had always wanted to be good at sports. I was always athletic, um, but I was like c level Mm -hmm. or d level at like everything especially like basketball which was terrible because i i really hoped i was gonna make it to the nba you know what i mean i was really gunning for it (laughs) even though i was the only one that believed that but amen Even my Your parents mom, are like, you can be anything you want. Yo, You're just my, like, wait, mom, I'm not six foot six. Oh my god, no, my mom, my mom, I love my mom to death, but she was just like, she knew, she knew, she was just like, I just want you to be realistic. <laughs> That's like, a good yeah. mom. I was like, yo, you know, I would, I would literally get the growth charts uh, from my doctor and be like, man, I think I'm gonna hit like five ten. I'm five six. Oh uh, man, a good when you're day. a kid though, too, it's so yeah. rough going through that phase. Yeah, of just, yeah. So, you're fast you know, though, dude. Yeah. You're... So I was always, I was always like quick when I had a reason to be. Mm. Now I wasn't very good at like running track just to run track because there was no, there was no soul or yeah, passion like, behind it for me. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, and I think that speaks into other things in my life as well. But yeah, I, I just couldn't run, run, just run. So, but <laughs> I, I, but I was like, 
super skinny at that point too and like i was like man i cannot be both really short and then super skinny too like i got it i'm in this <laughs> track uniform up, up one of the attributes yeah, you know what i mean so i'm in the gym at the hatfield athletic club and i'm lifting weights and um on the lower level there they had this um this boxing and mma gym and i went down there and i was just like yo this looks so cool yeah oh and one of my buddies um worked there as well he was the uh he was like the front desk assistant mm-hmm. and you know i would finish my workout and i would go hang out with him um just got free smoothies it was so dope um, <laughs> you know we just chit chat you know and and just talk about life and whatnot and uh sometimes the, the the boxing guys would come through after they were done their stuff and they'd always like give us like you know like daps and stuff and like, what's up guys you know and they were just like man you should, you should come through and like um take a class at some point i'm just like yeah I should. I'm always yeah. here anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I I got my start in boxing, and, um, man, I just fell in love with it right from the jump. I was just like, yo, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. This is so cool. And I felt, you know, I, I wanted to be, like, someone. I think, too, I, I wanted to be someone that was, like, um, kind of, like, looked up to, respected. I was going to say, did you feel empowered by empowered, just, like, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, That's a I'm big sure, part of it. I'm sure a part of it, too, was my, my insecurity. and wanting Yeah, to, you know, of course. You know, like, I, I was like, oh, I could beat you up. You know, I, I was, dude, could, I got into it because I was getting bullied. It's, like, yeah. the same exact thing. You want could, that, you want to feel confident. For sure, yeah. for sure. Um, but then I was just, like, and I couldn't tell. It's, it's still hard for me to tell just because I'm so critical of myself when people were telling me, like, Yo, you did really well with that. I'm mm-hmm. like, do you mean that? Are you just, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but they were, they were like, no, nah, dude, you really, you really like, let's, let's start getting you in here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, I was just like, totally. sweet, I'm finally like halfway good at something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I remember, so, I, can, I can say you're just naturally, you're a, you're a very natural athletic yeah, person. So like, I you learn still, way quicker than most people, I would thank say. You. I that appreciate way. that. Yeah, man. So, and, and I, you know, like, I, I loved being challenged, you know, like, that's where this whole thing started, you know, I was just like, man, like, I am really being challenged and tested, and of course, you know, I go in there, and it's just like, sure, I knew I was small, and um, I was gonna get beat, but to actually get beat, it was just like, man, you got, you got trashed right Humbling, there. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it's humbling. Sport. And, but at the same time, those same guys would be like, yo, great job, like, here, you could work on this, and you could work on that, um, you have like good speed and this and that and i was just like wow mm-hmm. that's that's cool yeah you know what i mean like i think few and far between times you're gonna like um play like a more general sport like basketball or something someone's gonna beat you one-on-one on the court and then offer you advice they're gonna talk trash on you totally like, you're, you're just gonna get trashed on. and that's it's such it more of like a team like there's not as much individual yeah. focus so it's hard to like be like specifically like honing in on each other's strengths and weaknesses because it's a lot of just like coordination and all that whereas this is like every weakness and every strength is easily exploited and noticed and you all pick up on it quick Mm -hmm. so you know i started um then i started doing muay thai because they had a muay thai guy there and he like trained um he trained over in Thailand. He was some type of some type of champion. It's, wow. it's hard to it's hard to keep track because I mean, even in boxing too, the WBC, WBA. I know that's what I like it's about so annoying. mixed martial arts. It's so it's, much easier to you, keep up. You with. just get like I mean, it's starting to become a little bit more like that now. You got one, and then Bellator, and obviously the UFC. Yeah. But I mean, it's still just just three. But there's so many fight. But anyway, he was he was super good. Like, I'm pretty sure he would like break people's ribs during yeah. practice accidentally. Those guys like, kicking the trees yeah. to like strengthen yeah, his shins. But he was like <laughs> some like he wasn't like one of those small Thai guys. He was like six foot four, Oof. like two hundred some pounds. I was just like, geez, but he was terrifying. Just, I remember when I went into there 
um, in like junior year of high school, he would have me like jump rope with like a weighted rope for like 45 minutes. He's like, that's warm up. Oh was my like, God, dude, those Muay Thai warm ups. <laughs> holy crap. I remember the first time I did that, I was like, are we done? Was that the class? Right, like, right. no, that's the warm up. It's like, warm-up. I literally can't move like right. my shit, like my uh, right. calf muscles mm-hmm. from the jump rope. And you're just oh, like, destroy- it's like, it's like, it's like jump rope, push ups, sit ups, jump rope, push ups, sit ups. All right. Now we're going to like punch and kick each other. And it's like, Okay. Yeah. So yeah, brutal. I, but then, um, you know, I don't even know exactly how I got into. I think I just might have just started like talking with people and then hearing about the UFC and whatnot. Um, and I'm sure you might have started talking. I don't know when did you when did you and your dad start watching? He he got the into UFC? it about a year before me, maybe two years before me. Okay. Um, I think he would have been 2006. I want to say. Okay. I got into it in 2008. Okay. That was my year because I was still at Doc. It was right. It was literally when I was leaving. I started getting into it toward the end of my sophomore year at Doc, and I'd watched it before because he had watched it just on his own, like in our family room or whatever. And I just never was really that yeah. drawn to it until, like, literally until I, I got beat up a couple times and like from being bullied and just pushed yeah. around. And it was like, okay, like I'm a skinny kid, and like I I don't really, I was always 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 insecure. I mean, like I got bullied at Southerton and like. I started eighth grade. I think was the first year I like really was getting like kids are just picking fights. Yeah, it's just that yeah. year. You know, you're yeah. 14, 13. Like dudes are just dicks. Gotta make like, the pecking order. Yeah, like like guys are just it's that age or whatever. So like yep. that was the time I started experiencing it. And then it what just same escalated at Doc. And then after Doc, I remember thinking like I am just done. And my dad a bit he knew about yeah. it and he had been training. He was just like come to this gym and I started doing it and just immediately fell in love with it. So somewhere. So I probably like I don't know if I invited you to a UFC party or something. Like we had yeah. them probably starting around 2009. I want to say, but okay. I, I forget. So but yeah, so I I started coming over to your place to watch, and I realized like wow, there's like a whole platform for this. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. like it's it's pretty popular. And it was growing like super. Like we watched it like explode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you know like they had like the. Uh, the embedded stuff and the stuff following them, and you fall in love, and you fall in love with the people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because these it. are people with lives, and you know you hear about the different backgrounds that they come from. You know, like I think Chuck Liddell was like an accountant or something. Like that yeah, beforehand. or Rich Franklin was a math teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, man, these are like some kind of like relatable people. Yeah, like, this is this is pretty cool. And, you you get hooked just... in by Anderson Silva front kicking Vitor Belfort, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, that was badass. And right. then it's like, oh, I want to learn about Anderson right. Silva and yeah, like and who he is, and yeah, learn about GSP and all these guys. And it was just like, man. So you know, like I I started training. Um, then they moved their facility over towards um, they're, they're, where they're at now, uh, Henzo Gracie, at right near that Super Walmart on uh, yeah, on the yeah, Hilltown, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was there for a while, um, but you know, unfortunately, I I just kept getting like staggered. Number one, I I never had the money or never so expensive. Never, well, I never. Um, my my parents were paying for it, which was crazy, because my parents were paying for it when I started when I was like seventeen or so. Wow. Um, were and, you at? Did you start at Henzo's or were you somewhere else? Yeah, I started at Henzo's. Yeah, yeah. I forget when they raised their prices. But I mean, they're like because they're like a premier. Like yeah. all the local spots, they're easily the most like credentialed gym so. yeah um but it was crazy to me because these were the same parents that i asked to let me play football when i was like <laughs> but now you're gonna get let me like 
cage fight? Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're like, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> but you know what? I think part of it too was um, I had started getting in trouble with like the law and stuff around that age. So they were looking for anything that was going to yeah, keep me out right, of trouble. We've seen enough movies to know what to do. <laughs> we'll send him to this fight school. Cobra Kai. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so they, they were down with that and they uh, let me start training there and whatnot. But even then, you know, I, some of my some of the life that I was living, um, you know, because I was getting more heavily involved in just like smoking, um, smoking weed and drinking, and I was getting in trouble for it, like time and time and time again, you know. So it was taking away from my finances, mm-hmm. um, and it's taking away from my training. You know, I, I'd, I'd actually talked with the the head instructor there, and he had wanted me to take a fight when I was maybe like twenty, uh-huh. and you know, like I just regressed from from not being consistent and showing up and like kind of pro- probably being hung over on Saturday mornings for mm-hmm. roles and stuff like that. And he was just like, yeah, I think we're just like going to take that off the mm-hmm. table for right now. And it was, it was kind of demoralizing, but I was like, I couldn't blame him, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I was going through a breakup too. So I was just like, I don't care. I just want to right. you know? <laughs> Life feels like it's falling apart. Right. That age, everything is right. like the end of the world between right. like 18, like especially like high school is hard enough, but like when you graduate and you're just like looking for a sense of purpose and you're clinging to like yeah. your classes or your relationship or your hobby, then like you lose something. It's like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's terrible. So, you know, but I, I just kind of, I, I was on the fringes of it and then I didn't have the money for a gi, so I would only do no gi stuff. Um, but, you know, yeah, I was just kind of on the fringes, and then I, I went to Haiti for that year, so I wasn't training there. I, I tried to teach them, some of the kids that wanted to, like, <laughs> learn about that stuff down there, but there was nothing to use. I, I had no pads. I, I had nothing. Yeah, we did it. I did that in Brazil, too. It's so funny to be, like, just go and just, like, wrestle, because, like, people love to wrestle. Wherever you go in the world, it's, like, universal. Like, it's primal. Yeah, we just love fighting. Yes, we do. We do. Um... So then after I came back from Haiti, um, I was training, um, and it's, it's funny, you know, when, when I started training at Henzo's, it was like 17 or so, um, there's a lot of local BJJ gyms that, um, those guys that I was training with that were, you know, like kind of being like big brothers to me and, um, giving me all these pointers and whatnot. By the time I got back, they had their own schools cause they were like black belts, brown belts, you know? Um, so like Paper Street or yeah, Precision, changing. Precision, where I go now, um, Crush Crew, you know, uh, this guy Omar was uh, teaching at the UFC gym there in Lansdale before he got his own spot. Um, and one of my other friends who had played rugby, I don't know how she got into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I might have introduced her to it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but she she found it and she was just like, yeah, like, oh, she's like, oh you know Omar? I was like, yeah, yeah. We used to train the Henzo, you know, all this yeah. stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, you should definitely come through. So I was there sparingly, you know, because I didn't have the money for, for a membership. And I was just kind of honestly just kind of like, you know, ducking under the, t- right. <laughs> under the tape to get in there. Um, But I was just like, dang. So but then I went down to Miami for college. And, dude, um, it was really dope. Uh, What is the the gym name was V Pro K, but it was a Pedro Sauer um gym that I was that was going to or this guy from a Pedro Sauer gym who was at the college that I was at and I remember you know I was like down there I was like man I want to get back into this so like I I hit up like they had a boxing club they had a kickboxing club and then they had a Brazilian jiu-jitsu club put out something to all three of them the jiu-jitsu thing was the only one that got back to me I was like all right well guess that's what I'm doing um so um and this guy you know you could tell he he was younger than I was which is crazy yeah he was like 
22, I want to say I was like 23 or so. And um, he was offering like semester semester prices for like 75 bucks. I'm like, that's <laughs> nice. unheard of. I was like, are you kidding that's me? That's awesome. Yeah, so I was like, I'll, I'll find yeah, the money for right. that, yeah. Um, so I started doing that, and it was like twice, it was like twice a week, so I was getting in there, and then um, Saturday morning, open mat stuff. So I was, I was starting to get in there, and then I, I, um, I joined a church down there, and um, I started, you know, like sharing about some of my interests and people wanted to like, um, you know, like come out with me and hang out with me and whatnot. So I, I put them on, you know, like they had like, um, we were in the middle of Miami. So we would go to like Buffalo wild wings for all these big fights. Yeah. And you know, I, I just put people on, they were just like, yo, nice. this is dope. I was, I used to get like 30 people out at one time for being an evangelist for, these, yeah. for the sport. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and they were just like, yo, this is dope. So like. One or two of the guys started training, and then another one of the guys um, came out to the club, and then he also went off to his own thing. He was, like, training at uh, – the gym was called Fight Club. Okay. And um, so I was going there every now and again, too. So I was just kind of sprinkled here and there. Um, but then um, I came back, and um, when I got back, I was not really doing anything, but I would um, – I, I would – talk to Leo because um, I met Leo through, you know, some of the hangouts that we had and then um, training every now and again, I got introduced to him. Um, and he was just like, yeah, man, you should come out to Precision. So yeah. I was like, all right, cool, cool. So, you know, I went out to Precision and um, I was getting sober at that point too. And, um, you know, I didn't have the money for, for stuff because I was having to pay for my DUI and right. lawyer and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, the the instructor there was just like, hey, man, you know, like I I've seen you be pretty open about your sobriety and stuff like that on the Internet. Um, I just want you to know, like, um, you know, like if you want to come through and train, um, we can set something up where you can like do some type of work on the side for the gym. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. Oh, that's and, great. And, and yeah, in exchange for coming to coming to train, I was just like, yo, are you serious? He was like, yeah, man. Yeah, just, That's keep, awesome. just keep it on low. I was just like, all right, cool, cool. So <laughs> but I was just like, all right, so I got in there, you know what I mean? Um, and it was crazy. Not not long before that, I think, um, my friend and my older brother figure that the Puerto Rican guy, Joito, he had passed away um from an overdose. Wow. You know? So that was right before I got actually welcomed back into this church that I had essentially been kicked out of down in Miami. That was a whole other thing. But, you know, like, I, I just kind of realized I was just, like, you know, getting getting back into the gym and whatnot. I was just like, man, like, I, I've lost, like, one or two friends, you know, before the age of 40 and then another one before the age of 24. I'm like, man, I've already outlived some of these guys. And I'm just like, who mm. am I not to be taking advantage of, you know, this opportunity to live? Yeah. So yeah. I, I started getting in there <clears throat> with precision, you know, and I was just being built up and encouraged every day coming through. Um and I was, I was back at it. Finally got a gi. Yeah, <laughs> Finally got a That's gi. It. And, um, you know, after a couple, a couple, a couple months of, uh, work, they, they gave me my, uh, blue belt and I was, dude, that was That's awesome, the man. for that. Yeah. Cause they were just like, you know, you, you've been at you've been like training a, on yeah, and off for a long time. For a long time. So you know what's like, up. You know, you're at the skill level, but it's, it's the heart you need, you know, I was yeah. just like, yeah, I, I, you're right. You know, like I've been so distracted from, you know like the alcohol and, and school and all this other stuff I had going on, you know, I, I just need to commit. Um, 
So that was just really great. And it's funny, they, in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they talk about how the blue belt tends to be the one that people just get stuck at. I'm like, man, I'll be all right. It took me, <laughs> took me this long to get my white belt. I'll, I'll, I'll keep coming back. You don't got to worry about that. You know? Um, so I was just super thankful for that. Um, and I'm, I'm still going. Trying, probably going to get in there tomorrow. I think Leo said he went to a, a seminar on leg locks over at uh, Mike Padilla's gym up in Allentown. So he was like, yeah, man, I want to rep it, and I'll show you, to you, show you some stuff. I was like, all right. Bet. Nice, dude. Yeah, man. Epic. So, wait, what? Kind of going back, we kind of glossed over this. I just realized just that kind of phase of your life when you, you're struggling with, like, alcoholism and everything. I mean, like, initially... We don't. Have, we, we can get as deep into this as, you, as you're comfortable with. I mean, insofar as that time period, I mean, like putting yourself back in that frame of mind. Like, what was it like initially going through it, and like how? What were some of like the the I guess struggles insofar as um just kind of I don't know how to word this like like addressing. Like, you knew that it was an issue, and I know this because, like, we, we were hanging out on and off at the time, too. So, yeah. like, you knew what was going on, and then it's like you come out of it, and then you get back into it, and you come yeah. out of it and get back into it. So, like, going in, in the midst of it all, like, what was going through your head? Like, what was, like, what was, how how were you in that period, like, yeah. dealing with everything? Dude, it was hell. Yeah. <laughs> it was hell. Dude, I, I mean, I, I got my start drinking kind of at, like, one of those parties, um, those those barbecues that I was talking about. Um you know, and and the my my boy Joito actually given me my first beer, and his uncle, who was the alcoholic, um, kind of put me on more. And I knew right from the right from the rip something was different because like I would get over there and like I'd try to down as like remember one of the very vividly one of the first times I ever drank, I down like five beers and it was like boosh, it was nasty mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and like down to like five of them in twenty minutes, and then like I went home. Like, took a shower because I wanted the scent off me, threw up in the shower, and then came down and ate with my parents, like, my little <laughs> Mennonite family, like, nothing had ever happened. Yeah. I was sitting there, like, buzzed and just eating, and I was just like, man, I kind of like this. You know, yeah. like, I wasn't alarmed by it or nothing. I yeah. was like, man, I kind of like this. What was the initial draw, you think? Was it, like, to get comfortable in that environment? Because I know you talked previously how you yeah. were kind of, like, introverted well, and, like, because a nude, yeah. Part of it was wanting to get comfortable. I think another part of it was just kind of building up, like, my street cred. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, John, yeah, you must yeah, be cool, right. too. Right. You know, and then wanting to fit in. Um, wanting to, and then And then once I actually engaged in it, I realized just how empowering it was. You know what I mean? Like... I was thinking about it coming over here, you know, like I, I feel like a lot of time I have to kind of like super self-control myself and not really allow myself to like be, to like release, I guess, you know what I mean? And like in fighting, that's one of the few places just like, yeah, like if someone gives you like green light, like go for it, freaking go for it. Well, you're a very thoughtful person. So like, I know you kind of spent, you're very measured and you're quiet. And like you said, you take things in. So when it comes to social situations that I'm sure just like dealing with just general interactions with people, like there's a lot that you're kind of over, you having to overcome to get comfortable and to get like into that just natural state of confidence, you know, and obviously alcohol helps. Alcohol just took off the blinds. (laughs) Alcohol just took off the blinds. And honestly, it was like a spiritual experience. You know, like I'm obviously... Um, I, I care about my Christianity and what my walk with God, you know, but there, there's a spiritual aspect of, of alcohol, man. It's, it's crazy, 
you know, so like that, just getting that experience and then getting like that level of confidence yeah. and comfortability. Well, um, it releases your inhibitions, literally. It, yeah, so it's like you, there's exactly. no more filter. Exactly. Like a lot of times people say dumb stuff when they're drunk and then they go, oh, I didn't mean that. Like or, or they make the excuse, oh, I was drunk when I said it. And like, yeah. I get it. Like there's certain circumstances where that makes sense. But in a lot of cases, like there is a deeper truth For to sure. what you say when you're drunk. Like For it's sure. just, it's yeah. kind of like comedy. Like every, every joke is rooted in truth. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I I began doing that, um, but then um, started smoking weed, and weed was actually easier to get, like um, it was more accessible. But I kept getting in trouble with it. So after I got back from Haiti, and it's crazy, I almost got kicked out of my assignment, my my assignment with the Mennonite Church <laughs> to Haiti for drinking. Cause oh my I, God! <laughs> like yeah, it was bad, man. Like I almost got kicked out of that for drinking. But then I got back home, and I was like. Oh, I can drink legally now. Yeah. I don't have to worry about getting in trouble. And that was really the, the whole thought process. But, like, you know, alcohol obviously did something to me that, that marijuana never did. Yeah. You know, um, I would just while out. And I was a blackout drinker from early on, you know, and I was just super in denial about it. Um, you know, but I, I threw kind of my upbringing and the way that I learned how to perceive the world and interact with the world, I was also very good at living a double life. So I was able to just, you know, like keep things on, on the low and, you know, like, um, my parents were dealing with things that my brother was going through. So, um, me, you kind of fade into the background. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, and if somebody ever like came up to me and asked me about it, I was smart enough to kind of like make justifications for it. Like, Oh, I got a lot going on. Like I'm going through a breakup or my family's going through something, you know, and then I just did it or I'd like turn it into a joke and then just kind of like lead people out of that, that little corner that they were trying to Uh get me in. And I was just like, no, no, we're not, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we're going to sidestep that right now. Right. Right. So, you know, um, yeah, but, um, it was crazy. So like when I went down to Miami and whatnot, um, number one, I, I thought it was like a geographical issue. I was just like, oh, it must be this area. You know, like I got to get out of here. Um, you know, maybe a change of scenery will help me. And, you know, initially it did. Um, but I was just like, plus Miami, it's like it's, drinking heavy and crazy is going to yeah, be environment like, definitely plays a role. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not going to be like some like backcountry type of, you know, like we're just drinking. Just it's to a drink. party. It's a party. Yeah, it's Miami. Totally. That's what we're doing here. So, you know, I went through there, but, um, you know, went out to a lot of the clubs and whatnot, um, got crazy drunk at a lot of those clubs to the point of embarrassment. Um, and then it was just super, it was more accessible there as well. Cause like I lived right off campus. So like I could, and it was Florida. So I could just walk to the gas station, yeah. grab something. There was a liquor store within like 200 feet. I could grab something there, you know, um, they even had like a, a Chili's or something <laughs> at the school. So like I get before like 11, I could grab beer there yeah, right. and have a few drinks. Um, and then the, then the clubs and stuff were, were pretty local. Um, so that, and of course that was something everybody wanted to do. So, you know, as long as I put in money and, and was cool, you know, I could, I could go. Right. So, um, but then, you know, I, I, I joined this church down there and like, um, you know, to their credit, they were living by the, by the standards of the Bible. So like I was, you know, like further, you know, like ripped apart, split between these two lives that I was trying to juggle. Cause part of me was just drinking more and more. And then the other part of me was just trying to, you know, like retain what I had grown up, the values that I'd grown up, you know, and trying to, trying to do my best with that. And like, I had known 
the majority of my friends were part of that church. So I was like, oh, man, I really got to put on this <laughs> front. Of course, and, you yeah. know? But I did care about my spirituality as well, too. But then I also had these underlying demons that well, I knew I wasn't going to be able to. Just to jump in for a second. I mean, like, it's so ironic. Cause it's like listening to you talk about this. Yes. Like, this is like a very serious thing. Like, you're, you're juggling these things and going to church yeah. and all that. But it's just funny because like from like a church perspective this is something that almost everyone at church is doing right. just in different levels <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah like maybe not everyone it's maybe it's not always alcohol but it could yeah. be abuse yeah. it, you know what i mean it could be some other form of addiction or like suppression yeah it's like yeah. it's literally everybody so it's just yeah. funny how like there's there's certain we like to highlight certain ones like uh-huh. alcohol is like an easy one it's like oh, oh you yeah. got a problem drinking bro like that's like a it's going to ruin your life bro like right, you've seen right. all these things and it's just interesting how like there are all these like outside elements that do have the the propensity to ruin somebody's life, but we pick the ones that are like kind of like your easy. I don't know. Like obviously, it's it's a major issue, and like I'm not trying to downplay it. Obviously, no. obviously, but like it's just interesting. Like from the internal church perspective, it's like, come on, guys. I mean, like it's I don't know. I just uh, I what 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 was, what was their perception of you like in this? Were they, they judgmental or was this no. like? Were you, was it affecting you in other ways, like outside? No. Yeah, it was, of all re- this? it was. It was really kind of within me more than anything. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, and and then you know, I was just like um, trying to trying to start dating and stuff like that down Wild there. Going on, yeah, yeah, and then I was realizing like my 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 communication skills were trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I was a terrible communicator. You're not quite good, I think straight. <laughs> yeah. You know, man, I would drunk text and all this other stuff, yeah, just right. wild, man. And then try to like, but but really care about the like. It was like a Jack and Hyde thing, you know. Like totally. when I was sober, I was just like, I care about being somebody's friend. I don't want to hurt nobody. I want to be loyal. But then you know, like the blinders off, and the inhibitions gone. I I don't care. I'll just say whatever, you know, yeah. what I mean? to, to get yeah. the rise that I want to at at the moment. Um. So I was hurting people, you know, and then I was I was keeping it like on low key, although probably not really that low key. You know what <laughs> you I mean? I thought was I was key, low key. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I was like getting all these justifications, like, oh, everybody has a shower beer. It's like, no, you're doing that because you don't want to see anybody, have anybody see you drinking. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, but there were times where like, um. I would like I was one of those people that would disappear in the middle of a party. So like this one time I remember or barely remember like disappearing <laughs> at this party and then like running through this neighborhood and like it was not a good neighborhood in Miami. So I don't know what the heck I was thinking. But then like I ended up like I had caught my shirt on some gate and I I I was so drunk. I was like hallucinating. So I thought I was gonna die. You know, I called. I called up my friends. I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna die." You know what I mean? And they had to come and get me. And they, I mean, they, they thought I was gonna die. So, yeah. You know, like that was just super. Were you just like caught? Like you weren't like were you cut or something? No, or was it just yeah, like you were just like I was trapped. wearing like a long sleeve shirt and like the the, the seam around the wrist uh-huh. kind of somehow got in there and then like my wrist twisted and something like that. And I I don't know why I couldn't get out, but I couldn't get oh out. Well, God. I mean, I lost feeling in my fingers for like a solid five days after that. So wow. I think it must have. So Really been on there. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. must have really been on there. But I was, you know, and then these these my friends somehow came and got me. Um, but you know, like and and they were just like, dude, what the heck? And I came back to the house and I was just like, yo, that was crazy. Go and pour myself some vodka. And I was just, they were just like, are you serious right now? Are you serious? I was just like, yo. And so like, I went to the bathroom. I'm like, yo, I just, I just gotta like, get myself right. They took the vodka out of there. Like, you're done. You're done, bro. Mm. You know. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, like they, they had, I had stories like that. But um, I was watching this movie this one time and I never said anything more. 
resounding. It was just like the funny stuff becomes embarrassing. The embarrassing stuff becomes scary. You yeah. Know what I mean, and yeah. I was just like, man, like, what if I really, because a lot of people um, in Miami keep like dogs and stuff in their back neighborhood. And I'm like, man, what if I really would have like ran up on somebody in the wrong place in the wrong time? And, yeah. you know, like just, just being drunk. Are you serious? Yeah. You know, but I was like, ah, oh, no, it was just a bad night. Just a bad night. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, I kept escalating and then I would, I would hurt people more and I'd feel guilt for that hurt. So I, it got to the point. And then you got to suppress that guilt and keep going. Exactly. And, and it got to the point where I was drinking like six, six or seven times to a blackout every single week. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I was just like, man, this is not good. Yeah. (laughs) This is not good. You know, they would come and talk to me like, yo, I think you need to get help. You know, like, you know. Like anywhere else, that's kind of like a community. I, I I used to think they were so harsh and judgmental on me for for um because eventually they did ask me to 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 leave. Mm. You know, they were just like, "Look, man, like we love you, and like it's it's hard to watch you like this, dude. Like you're killing yourself." Well, that's kind of what I was trying to get up before. I was kind of yeah. like at a loss for words, man. Was there any like you kind of said there was more internally? Like was there anything specific that you were doing that was like causing them to be like, "Get out." Yeah, just like just. Because I was living with some of the guys too, who were part of this uh-huh. church, and they would I would be around like super belligerent, drunk, yeah. and then going like so you're kind of like influencing show, the yeah, people there, showing like, up okay. to church drunk, okay. you know, like the whole. And like I used to think they were so like, judgmental about it, like oh you guys don't understand, but I, I think about it, I'm like dude, if you did that at an MMA gym, yeah. like they're gonna, they're gonna Intern- yeah, internally it always feels like that, and, like yeah. you're like it's like you're the victim exactly. or whatever, but yeah, totally. exactly. So um. So I actually did um, go, end up going down to rehab down there in Florida. I was in the right place. <laughs> They're everywhere <laughs> down there. <laughs> so one of my buddies um, who I used to kind of like run with up here had had gone down there for sobriety. And he had got himself right. And he was sober for like three years or so. And I, I remember just calling him up one time. And I was just like, dude, I think I need help. Mm. You know, and he That's was just awesome. like, he was like, well, how much help do you think you need? You know, and. He he got me into his spot that he was like working at, and he basically got me in on like a scholarship because it was one of those places that was going to cost me like an arm yeah, and a leg. Yeah, dude, there it's so crazy, Alex. It's such like a oh, I hate it. Like like I hate the class element. So that much stuff. money to be made. Yeah, man. dude, it's insane. So I went there. You know, I really had my eyes opened up to a lot of things and just saw like, wow, like I'm again, I'm really not the only one that deals with stuff totally. like this. You know what I mean? Like, um. Some people would, some people drank more than me. Some people drank less. Some people were older, but it's just like, you know, I had to stop, or at least I thought I had to stop. You know, like kind of trying to see the differences and look at the similarities. But then, like, I got back out and like I learned a lot about myself. I I dug up a lot of different stuff that I that like I said, you know, like with the with the jokes earlier, you know, that I had suppressed. Yeah, um, right, from, right. From my childhood and and. You know, like feeling abandoned by my by my birth mother, my birth father, um, you know, stuff that my family went through in so this is like, teen years. You, was this the first time you felt like you were embracing this stuff that you've been suppressing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I always had a joke for it. You yeah. Know I, mean? I yeah. always had a joke for it. Otherwise, I didn't have to deal with it because somebody else always had it worse. You know, I never thought that I what I was dealing with was enough of something to actually be dealt with. Yeah. You know? Um, so... Yeah, like I, I, but I was going to therapy. They, they had me go to therapy every single day, and I loved, loved the therapist. That I think I got really lucky with her. But and um, you know, I just kind of saw this pattern of um, you know, female attention that I was like trying to seek and get validated by. I think it started with you know, like wondering why I wasn't good enough for my birth mom, and then my my um, 
adopted mother was always harder to please. There's always one parent that's a little harder course, to please yeah, than the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I not having a lot of success, um, you know, dating, um, coming where I come from and thinking about it's all crazy the how deep this stuff goes. Yeah, you man. know, like and it doesn't like just on a normal level. Like if someone were to ask you or if you were to be like, yeah, I'm having trouble dating or whatever, like yeah. to someone, it might just feel like, oh, that's super trivial. But yeah. then you look underneath and it's like, yeah. no, this is deep. This right. Is like, yeah. And then, um, you know, moved to Miami and naturally I did a little better down there because you know like those people were hispanic too so right, like, right. oh yeah you're john you're a very like attractive guy i'm like cool cool but then you know i tried trying to get into the relationships realize that my communication skills are trash my it's so much stuff is going on up here that i've never actually had to deal with and right. then finally bring it out on another person and i'm just like oh well i'm just like i can never you know like do anything right all this other drink 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 yeah, you know? yeah and then yeah. it just just continues to snowball so i was just like wow that's crazy so i did well there um but I, I really appreciated the one girl who worked at the uh, at the rehab. You know, everybody was like, man, John, you like, you know, because I, what did I do? I was actually in the middle of school, actually towards the end of it, um, f- towards the end of my one semester. And I was really hesitant about making that call to go. But I was just like, nah, man, I got to do this. Like, like, because I was for so long, I was like, I'll get help after I graduate. Of course, it's always you know? tomorrow. Like it's one always, of those things, you yeah. know. But I was like, no, nah, I got to do this now. And my teachers were super, um, super lenient with me. Like, dude, you're an A student. You know, like I didn't even know you had a problem. Like, uh, yeah, if you can do the work remotely, we'll just have you finish out there and then come back and take your take your finals. And I was like, all right, cool. <clears throat> So, you know, I was working and doing, like, school stuff there. You know, like, I was, like, their little star people at this place because a lot of these kids had been through, like, the Florida Shuffle. They'd been, like, their sixth, seventh rehab yeah. or whatever. I was the first-time guy, like, really trying to get at it. But this one girl was just like, you know, you got a lot of good things going for you, but I see you through your BS. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was just like... I see you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't see how much she saw because I didn't even see it. But, yeah, you yeah. know, I was just like, all right, cool, cool. So I got out of there and, um, you know, I didn't go to meeting. I maybe went to like a few meetings, you know, and, and you know, I kind of switched um, the drink for a girl. You know what I mean? And I kind of like idolized her and, you know, had worked up the confidence to like ask her to like go on a date or whatever. She rejected me, and, you know, like, a normal person's like, whatever, okay, cool. You yeah. rejected, you can move on. Life was all right before, it's be all right after. But me, that just broke me, because that just, just, it was it was more to me, I suppose, than just, you know, getting rejected. It was, like, all this work that Yeah, I, it was symbolic. Yeah, it was symbolic, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? So, so I relapsed. You know, I was just like, I can't believe I became this vulnerable with anybody. I'll never do that again. You know, all these absolutist, ridiculous statements, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, drank to, like, an oblivion, Um, you know, almost got arrested my friends had to come get me again you know i I threatened to kill them you know it was a great time um woke up (laughs) woke up in my bed and i was just like oh i'm in my bed i'm like not like i must be all right you know (laughs) yeah this is great so and in fact things were not great (laughs) so so i i freaking um come out of bed and they're just like dude we got to talk you know, and they they ran down the list, and that's always the worst. It's always the worst. They yeah, the and they worst. had had an intervention with me, and it was just like, but they also were just like, look, man, like, you're hurting us, you're hurting yourself. We feel like we're enabling you at this point. I think you know we kind of need to cut ways. And I was just like, what? Like, I'm about to graduate. Yeah. Like, it's about to be my birthday. How could you do this to me? <laughs> but at the same time, I was almost thankful when they did it, because I was one of those people that got away with everything yeah. you know like when i was 21 
and I came back from Haiti, I actually got a DUI and I got out of it just on some technicality because the cop never showed up. And I just, I didn't come to think of it as like, oh, like, you know, maybe that's something to consider. It was like, oh, look how clever I am. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just like, I was like, they really did it. Yeah, they, they left. My yeah. man. Gut, gut punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, you really did it. My man. So <laughs> I moved back here and then I was just so sure because like few of them drank. So I was just like, you guys are just like, like, just doing too much. You're, you're over, over exaggerating it, you know, like, I'll be all right. So I come back here, you know, and I, I keep going and I was all right, you know, for, for a bit, you know, was like a moderate drinker, but then, um, you know, things just like naturally just continued to escalate, continue to escalate. Um, I finally brought it home and was really in my parents' face with it, in my brother's face with it. I, I still live at home. Um, you know, scaring them with some of the ways that I would come back. It's just like, Ooh. how did you even make it home? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even And then my friends who I used to party with, you know, and we would drink like super, like 151, you know, like that type you're of gone, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even they were like, dude, you're doing too much. And I was just like, what? Yeah. You know, and then I started going to the bar more because I, I like this one bartender. And then even she, like I had this one bad night and she was just like, you got a problem. And I was just like, dang, this is not like, you know, Chrissy and Miss Christian, Miss Christian, you know, over here yeah, telling me this. This totally. is like a bartender. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dang. Wake up. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know what? All right. I think I need to like, again, seek some help and just, you know, not think of it like, oh, it was a phase. You know, like, no, yeah. this is, this is, this is what it is. So I, I contacted another one of my friends who was living in Pottstown at the time. And I think uh, she had been about a year sober and she was just like, yeah, you can start coming out to like AA with me because I had been going to like this little Christian group with her for Bible study. And um, she was just like, yeah, you can come through. Um, I'll go with you to an AA meeting or whatever. And then another one of my buddies um, had an ex-girlfriend who moved to Florida and she was just like, yeah, she told me about this place, this clubhouse in Lansdale. And I was just like, all right, cool. So um, I went like again like twice a week or whatever uh-huh. and then um i was actually watching a ufc event over at leo's house <clears throat> and like i had told everybody that i was gonna swear it off and all this other stuff and i did i meant it you know but then like i i forgot to tell leo <laughs> you know what i mean so leo was, doesn't know <laughs> exactly he was just like you want to bring beer and i'm just like that was my that was my go that yeah. was my in and yeah. i was just like yeah didn't even give it a second thought i'm like yeah so you know he but he, he was a good friend. He was just like, um, you know, because I had actually gotten a DUI before that, maybe like a month or so, actually at Tyler Jones' party <laughs> coming out of there. I was so determined because, like, uh, the, the other time I got a DUI, I was at a party. And this time I was just like, dude, I'm just going to drink water and yeah. just one type of beer. Not today, Satan. Yep. No. <laughs> lo and behold. Lo and behold, I got another one. So after that, yeah, that I think that's when I had reached out to my friend, um, and then, you know, when I realized I was bringing it home more, I was just like, nah, the second one, you've, you've, you've got a problem, dude. you got to acknowledge it, yeah. That's, yeah. Like, that's like the over half the battle is just acknowledging it. It's Seriously. so hard I mean, to just get that, that face value. Yeah, so I was at Leo's house watching the UFC event, and then, um, you know, he went to bed. And he was just like, yeah, dude, you have to stay here tonight. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. Yeah. So, but then I woke up and like, we still had like half the beer left. So I was just like, oh, sweet. You know what I mean? So I just wow. started downing him there because it was just Damn. like, 
you know, I was just like making up for lost time because I hadn't been drinking like that for two weeks. And I was just like, what the heck? And I was just like, oh, I'm supposed to go shopping with my grandparents later. <laughs> you know wow. what I mean? I'm just like, dude, I can, what time is it? I could probably still get to the bar. There's, it's about to open. So I go to the bar and I'm freaking down like a few uh, there. And then I'm like with my grandparents and I'm just like, oh no, I did too much. You know, like this is, I'm yeah, not going to be able to keep up yourself, the front. Yeah, like... yeah. I like, showered. <laughs> I'm like, no, I can still definitely tell I'm off. So I'm in the car with them and they can tell like right off the bat, you know, and I'm just trying to make conversation. Mom and pop up. Oh my God. The, the two most <laughs> loving, righteous people you could so be with. <laughs> They're just like, what the heck, you know? Um, so, you know, like I get there and then like, I'm just so trying to save face for this whole thing yeah. that we, we usually do like eat before we go. And, um, I didn't even get any gifts for myself. I just bought them lunch and it was like a hundred dollar lunch. Yeah. I was just like trying to save face. But then after that, I was just like, enough is enough. Yeah. Enough is enough, dude. Like you're, I don't know why. But just something about like having to spill over to my family, I was just like, nah, you're going too far. Wow. You're going too far. Um, so the next day I leveled with them and I was just like, look, I'm pretty sure you knew, but I was super drunk. And they were just like, yeah, like, you know, um, we know you've had these problems before. It's been an ongoing thing, you know. Um, we don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, I don't think any of us do, but we're scared for you, you know. And I was just like, yeah. Um, I probably should do something. So <clears throat> I started going back to AA. And um, at that point, I had just left one job and one was guaranteed another. Um, or I got hired for another temporarily and um, started going back. And this time I just sat there and I listened. And I think I was at an AA meeting two weeks ago or whatever. And they were they were talking to this one guy and he was just kept saying, you know, like, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do different this time? What are you going to do different this time? And his best response throughout his entire life was just like, dude, I don't know. Because it's when you think you do know, you don't know. Yeah, you're like setting yourself up to fail exactly. at that point. Just like, oh, I know I'm going to like, exactly. like stay got, on this trajectory. And then know. as soon as like something happens and you yeah. just slide a little off, it's yeah. like the whole your whole paradigm shatters. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I got a big book and just kept going back. And I was just like, man, do I have to do this thing? I remember I was talking to my friend's boyfriend at the time. And I was just like, man, do I have to do this like every single day? And he was like did you drink every day? And I was just like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like all right, whatever. It's like deep programming. Seriously. And, yep. and he was, and, and I was just like, man, um, well, I had a thought and I was just like, I was just like, dude, I don't want to do this. And he's just like, John, boys do what they want to do. A man's does what he's got to do. What's it going to be? And he's like, it's up to you. I mean, Hey, Either you want it or you don't, but you yeah. can clearly see how it's going without it. And I was just like, dang, you're right. So I, I just kept going back and um, started showing up like twice a day, you know, and it was just like, you know, hoping because I, I had taken little like spurts of time off, but it would never last more than like two or three weeks over like three or four year period. Yeah. You know, I'd always find it. I wouldn't necessarily like be so within with withdrawal that I would like, oh, I have to have it, you know, but it was more like I'd find an excuse to do of it. Of course, yeah. You know, which is which is really what it comes down to. Um you know, but I just kept going back and I was just like, man, just like going through the big book and just listening to how everybody was just so similar to me. You know, it was just it was just powerful. And it was you know, I finally had peace for like the first time in in my adult life and I was just like this is crazy you know um and and just 
just having people pour into me and then getting a sponsor after like uh, 90 days and continuing to be in contact with my friend in Florida, my friend in Pottstown, um, you know, and, and really, let, again, you know, like finding out where my friends were. And, and to my great pleasure, finding out that everybody really was for me. Yeah. You know, right. like nobody that I told about drinking, like really swearing off and being serious was ever like, Oh, yeah, okay, cool. You want to have a drink? Like, yeah. Everybody was just like, super respectful of it. And I think because at that point, everybody had had enough of a taste of seeing me like, yo, did he get home okay? Yo, where did he go? Like, enough of those situations to be like, nah, yeah, he, right. he, he missed you. this. Yeah. You know, um, and then my parents were just super supportive, um, you know, and, and I actually, um, the, I think the one place that I was supposed to be hired for, for the same job that I'm doing now, just with a different company, found out that I had a, a DUI and then they let me go. And I, I wasn't sure how I was, I was going to do anything because I had left my job doing construction and I was kind of sick of that job. I was thankful for it at the time, but I mean, I was just, I was just out growing. I was like, man, I didn't go to a college, like get a four year degree, you know, to do something that you don't need a degree of course, for. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, dang, and I got this DUI coming up, and lawyer, like, what the heck am I going to do? And I just, just, you know, just decided to start practicing, you know, some of the concepts that uh, I learned in AA. And one of the biggest ones was just honesty. You know, like, I, I went into my next job interview. I was like, look, you know, like, I, you're going to, like, look me up, and I'm going to have, like, a DUI pending and this and that, you know. But I feel like from the experiences that I've had, um, you know, with the intercultural stuff and just growing up the way that I did, I think I'd be good at this job. And they gave me a shot. <clears throat> And then they they kept me on, and I've been there ever since. And, awesome. You know, I use that job to pay for everything, um, you know, and I've stayed sober since, and I continue to go back to meetings. I mean, I've had spurts of, like, not going so much and then going more and then, you know, kind of uh, working through the steps. Um, I want to work through them again, but, you know, kind of realizing that that peace that I finally felt that I had with God and then kind of reaching out to the to – the, to the same people at that same church and kind of like reconnecting those bridges. Um, and then getting, you know, like welcome back like, dude, like that's all we wanted. Like we didn't want you to get sober per se. We wanted you to just accept where you were at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cause, cause we couldn't do anything with you beyond that, you know? And then, and then, um, you know, just continuing to be honest and open about my life and the, the things that I was struggling with. Um, you know, things that I had maybe never brought up to people before. Um, or just like found ways to like manipulate people. Like, cause that's like yeah. the big thing when you're yeah. in denial, like you're, oh, you yeah. become a master manipulator and you're wearing sure. different masks. Living and, double life. Yeah. yeah and I was yeah. just like, dude, I, I can't do it no more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I, I, between, between my jokes and like, um, like using the the gifts that my parents gave me, you know, like in in you know, like I I am a, a thoughtful person, so if I know you like something, I'll go out and get it for you. But I would go and do that after I had like a drinking episode to like kind of totally. pave over, you yep. know, it's just like perverting the the pure things that I've been taught in my life, and it was just like that's not cool. Yeah, you know, so just continuing to go through those steps and then going through the uh, eighth and ninth step and just kind of like making amends with people and not asking for forgiveness but just like admitting what the heck i did yeah you just know? start in there yeah, yeah and just being like dude i was wrong yeah you know you did not deserve that you know um and then just having like these moments of clarity you know like i feel like addiction 
it's like, you know, you're there. It's like being on a mountain. You know, you're up there. You just don't know how freaking big that mountain is until you come off of it and you get to get some space in between you and it. And you're just like, wow. Yeah. That was it. Holy crap. Are yeah. you kidding well, me? Well, I'm sure AA helps with that, too. For sure. It's almost like, I imagine it like there's, like, you're, you're being followed around. Some people like to say, like, a rain cloud. Like, I imagine it's like a vampire. It really Something is. that's, like, behind you. And, like, you don't really know how big it is or how much of a threat it is. And it's constantly, like, biting at you, like, sucking your blood. And then you're going out throughout your life not seeing anybody else's vampires because exactly. everyone else is living, like, normal lives or like or even if they aren't like they're not showing you theirs. perceptively normal yeah lives. yeah so then you go to aa and all of a sudden it's like you see everybody's monsters and then you're like oh wait is that what my monster looks like like exactly. oh crap like there this is like we all have these monsters that we're dealing with it's so interesting too like how closely uh spirituality is tied was specifically alcohol I was addiction really, i was really surprised yeah because yeah, it's like you almost i mean I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this but it almost feels to me that in a lot of cases not all cases because in some cases i know people with specifically like alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever they substitute like you said you kind of substitute it for like relationship or whatever some people like look to yeah. drop one addiction for another one or they maybe they'll do something like gym or sport it's yeah. like oh like i'm addicted to alcohol i'm gonna become like an amazing boxer or yeah. football player or whatever like you hear about that pretty frequently mm -hmm. but if it's not that i think the uh the more common story is like they finding god you know mm -hmm. what i mean or like coming, yeah. reconnecting with god i think a lot of that at least from my understanding is just that it's you know you have to almost appeal to a higher power in those situations because you feel so helpless like yeah. you're kind of like you've lost all agency of yourself exactly. and like you need something else outside of you to lift you out of this exactly. circumstance yeah, you know man. is that how you feel yeah yeah for sure you know because i i mean i acknowledged god you know growing up um would even venture to say i had somewhat of a relationship with him but it was just it was always me in the driver's seat you know what i mean mm -hmm. they they in the big book they talk about how it's like a, a play and it's just like dude you know you're you're over here trying to be stage manager and you're like you're like peasant number two like yeah, that's, right. that's really your role and you do better that way you know yeah, yeah. if you allow him to like take over the way he's supposed to and you not things are actually gonna just just watch you know right and, and it happens you know and it's just like wow that's crazy i mean but i mean that's that's what we're taught not to do in this society and in life you know you don't surrender and ironically you know like in mma you never surrender you yeah know what I mean? right. but at the same time you do yeah you know if you know right. what's good for you you will <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like this intricate balance of, of figuring out when to fight when to persevere and when to like lay it down and when to accept and when to rest, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, that is one of the, the bigger things just, you know, um, you know, they, they talk about it as God, it could be anything. It just has to be something that's not you because you yeah. have to realize that it's like when it's you doing it, it's not going to go well. You yeah. know what I mean? And there's very few, like, I think it's important too in talking about addiction or like anything, detrimental to the human experience like poverty or mm -hmm. like any any forms of addiction like food addiction drug addiction whatever i think it's um it's important to to think about it in terms of 
what are the rules rather than the exceptions? Because I think you're always going to find those people who rise to the occasion, like that that inspirational, motivational story of this mm-hmm. person who rose from poverty, had no help, and they became this like NFL player or whatever, or yeah. this person who was addicted for 20 years to, to cocaine, and like they rose without any help, and they now they're like this world like famous speaker here. Whatever. Like you always find those examples like like especially in hip-hop and sports mm-hmm. like you this is like a huge huge thing because like in in especially in like minority communities it's like when you look at the the uh, like the class ratio it's like a lot a lot of them are below the poverty line so it's like when they when you look toward like success stories that's like the model for a lot mm-hmm. of them and i think that that's helpful in in an aspirational sense like like you said growing yeah. up like you wanted to be an nba player it's like yeah. there's nothing wrong with like growing up and being like i want to be this thing or like you should strive to be this thing and striving for greatness in general is fine but there's something to be said about especially as an adult like coming to terms with what is the rule to this given area like how many people make it out of poverty like exactly. how many people are able to get out of addiction without help, like without resources. And I think it's so, um, it's just so important to understand that because like you only have so much control. Like you Mm -hmm. might find someone who has just exceptional levels of self-control and like an authority and commitment and, and dedication and all these things, these, these traits that if they're in that low spot, they rise to the occasion and that's awesome. But like, not everybody's like that. Like most people are a mixed bag of humanity. Like, and I think we come into this weird societal expectation with something like addiction where we all, we all like, uh, what do you call it? Project our lens onto the person who's addicted or, or, or yeah, going through addiction. And we think to our, we think to ourselves, Oh, like if I was in that situation, this is what I would do. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, you wouldn't because you wouldn't right. be you. Like you'd be someone else. Like you don't know what it was like for that person growing up. You don't know what their biology is like. You don't know mm-hmm. what their previous decisions and circumstances have led them to. Like yeah. you don't know what's going through their brain and their heart and all that right now, like in this moment. But we have that tendency to like try to, I don't know, just project our own understanding and experience, especially onto people with addiction. So I think it's so important just to like understand like the spiritual element of this, because I think that for so many people, like you said, it's like whether even even taking like a relativist uh, like perspectives for a moment, like even if it isn't one God, like even if it's just like a vague higher power that someone can appeal to, like it's this idea that like you have to get it off yourself because most people aren't that exceptional to, to lift the weight on their own. Like most people need to appeal to something beyond themselves to like really get through. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, just, uh, hold on. I had a thought. Yeah. I mean, and I think too, I mean, ironically, I think part of my own, mm, intricacies that, that was, Mm, depreciating of myself in in this aspect was, you know, like my understanding of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was actually reading a book today called Your God's Too Small, and it was talking about how we as Christians, you know, like think about the verse that says like be be perfect as I am perfect and whatnot. It's like, you know, and then we we subscribe this, you know, or ascribe this uh this ideal um like it's a rule. Like, yeah. yeah, you should be perfect. And if you're not, you know, like, 
you know, right, we're going right. to get you where it's like, and I think the way it was summed up, it was like, God's interested. God is perfect, but he's not interested in perfection. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, like kind of understanding and accepting. It's like, yeah, you're not going to be the best of this and that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. Yeah. Like your flaws make you who you are. It really and it's does. just like, you can't, I, I just, I just think people today is of such a, we're better than we've ever been at it, but like, it's still just such a massive issue of empathy where there's yeah. just a gap where we look at people's issues. And it's just like you said earlier in the conversation, it's easy. It's way easier to point out the speck before the plank. Like it's just, we, we see other people's outward problems and it's like, we just, tri- we attribute our nature to their problems, which is something that you literally can't do. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to drive this through certain people's heads. But, like, I think it really is. A lot of it does come from that, like, individualistic part of our culture where we all want to believe on some level, not all of us, but most people want to believe that they have this, like, deep-rooted agency where they can, like, control their circumstances and that they have free will and they have, you know, authority over their body and their decisions and everything they do is because they believe it and they think they think it. And it's like... Think they're Batman. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's like you... It's like you wouldn't be the person you are if you were born someone else. And it's yeah. that simple. It's just... It's really not complicated, but we make it complicated because we want to attribute these like broad uh, rules to everybody which are just our own personal temperaments and i think like we we were talking about earlier i mean i think there is pros and there's cons to that because there is like a a, a goal or like like an aspiration that we should strive toward where it's like yeah we should strive toward our common humanity like we should have laws that like treat all people equally like yeah like there are these like steps toward better societies that we should be taking that require us to kind of put these broad scopes out there. But when it comes to these like really specific, whether it's an individual case or like a minority group case, whatever it might be, like we have to address these things on the basis of their own merit. And I think it's really hard for most people to step outside their own personal identity and their own group because it's just so comfortable. Like if you're a Christian, it's really, really hard to imagine like what it's like to be a Muslim. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard. I mean, especially yeah. in like this culture, it's like you're chances are you you've been brought up with very, very skewed cultural perceptions of what a Muslim is or who a Muslim is. And yeah. it's like that that's like, like that's it's like that across the board. Like name mm-hmm. your thing. Like name your like gender, sex, culture, ethnicity, place you were born, time you were born, age, like we have these preconceived notions drilled into us from yeah. so early. And then you, you get to these like very like uh, what do you call it? Just vulnerable, close to home issues like addiction, like poverty, like these things that people go through on like a very deep personal level. And we treat them on on this basis of just individuality that fails every time. And like we know it fails. Like I'm sure your family it's just kind of this like weird thing because like I'm sure your family on an individual level that speak that when they speak to you or like when they kind of like have an understanding of like your journey and like where you're coming from, they're aware that like you're, you're a very unique case and that like you're a very unique person. These are very unique problems. But then when we, a lot of times when we take that and we like broaden it out to more other people that we don't know or other yeah. groups that we aren't familiar with, then we get very vague and picky yeah. and we're like, Oh, they only think this because they're that way. Or they only are struggling with addiction because they're that way. Like they mm-hmm. can't overcome this problem because they're that way. And yeah. it's like, I just think, I mean, a lot of it's just a lack of intimacy. Like it's way, yeah. way easier to deal with when it's your kid or yeah. your friend or your cousin or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but, it's funny how it all, 
it all interconnects because, like you said, you know, like, there's so much. I mean, even podcasts that are that are talking or books that are dedicated to, you know, like building up that self, that self yes. will, and all this <laughs> other stuff. Of, yeah, of course, we're having a <laughs> of course we're having problems with intimacy with each other because we're all depending, trying to depend on ourselves, yes. and we're not. None of us are doing that great of it, so we feel bad about ourselves. Yeah, and then we just continue to beat ourselves up about it, and then. You know, we're looking at other people and trying to, like, point out their flaws to take away from ours. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's just like, dude, you know, acceptance. Acceptance is your freedom, man. It's like yep. when you said uh, about, you know, just kind of like accepting your flaws. It's so funny. Like, I feel so much more, you know, accepted and loved for being who I am now and just kind of like putting it all out there, you know, rather than opposed to what I thought people wanted to see out of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that gives you the freedom to change then. For sure. And like inspires you to change. For sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know if you saw Endgame yet. I did. Yes. Um, yeah. But I think my favorite quote of that whole movie is when um, Thor's mom is talking with him. It's just like everybody fails at who they're supposed to be. Yeah. But so you know, the good. true measure of a person is who they who is uh, being who they are. And I'm just like. It was like again, like taking the inhibitors off, and like I'm allowed to feel this. Right Especially now. In like a superhero movie, because <laughs> yeah, like man. the whole like object of the movie is like it's they're mostly geared toward kids or young or young people, and yeah. it's like you're watching it for the epicness and the heroic features yeah. of it, and like the good versus the bad, and the winning, and like the feel good nature, and like it is so important to know that like. That isn't reality. Exactly. <laughs> like it's never reality. It's like you're not meant to be this person. You're you're like this rogue guy. Now, yeah. now you're this rogue fat guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you're cool. You know? And you I got even, sunglasses. Right? <laughs> falling asleep in the meetings. Freaking. But I love that. And I even loved it because like, I, I looked at at it after I was um done watching it and like that was his idea like, it was Chris Hemsworth idea oh, wow. to, to do that because he felt like he was like way too like stuck up and golden boy with the first couple movies and he looked uncomfortable doing it yeah you know those were hard movies to watch but like Ragnarok and then and then Infinity War and Endgame is just like he's a real person he's, right he's you know and then and then he fails and I like the fact that they didn't necessarily go back and just like fix everything. They just dealt with it and then yes. kept moving forward. And that's yeah. life. Yes. That's life. Like, you, you know, like I, I didn't get out of this last DUI. I paid it. It's on my record. You know, maybe I'll get it expunged or whatever. But, you know, like I'm on here talking about it. You know, like I'm not going like, right, to. Right. You're embracing it. I'm just, I'm just going to embrace it. I'm, I'm so much more embraced for that reason. And I think, you know, like maybe necessar not necessarily, um, you know, talking about like what I've done since my recovery, but just going back and talking about the flaws and how I accepted them um, inspires other people to accept their own flaws. Absolutely. And then, then they stop being so harsh and critical to their fellow man, and then we actually get a little somewhere. And again, I think that's, you know, not only on the political level, but, you know, again, just as humanity as a whole, like, we're, we're being taught about mental health, we're being taught about addiction, we're being taught about all these things, and, you know, like, we're getting uncomfortable because the walls are closing in on us, yeah. just like being in the pocket again. Yep. Except, dude, yep. hey, just take the punches, it's man. It's very uncomfortable to talk about. Just take the punches. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is definitely one of the cases, I don't think it's the rule for everything, but it's definitely one of the cases where sunlight is the best disinfectant. It's just like, open the windows, open the closet doors, like, let, let the demons out. Like, mm -hmm. seriously, just like let everything out in the open it's just so much better to face something like this when it's in the open you know and like there's definitely 
there's definitely circumstances, I think, when it comes to ideas politically, where, like, there's certain, um, I guess, to, in today's climate, not to sidetrack too hard, but, like, I know there's a lot of, like, political polarization just in general. So, like, this whole idea of, like, free speech and, like, sunlight being the best disinfectant, like, I think there's certain, there's certain th- thought processes that are better in some ways stamped out like it depends on what it is like i mean if you're talking about like white nationalism it's like i don't think the the solution to someone who believes in like neo-nazi ideology is to put them on cnn or fox news with someone who doesn't believe in it and have them debate and then, and then cnn the host would just be like well now you heard both sides so like right you make a decision like i think there's definitely like certain elements of ideas and culture that like you have to kind of self-censor and like understand like where those lines are because it is they are blurry oftentimes like you t- you want you want to expose ideas in some frameworks to the extent where you can offer counter better ideas but yeah. but in the case of addiction and like poverty and like economic inequality and like all these issues i think it's so much better just to have more truthful more like open conversations about people's individual circumstances because it is like it's a very shameful thing and no matter like if you're poor you don't want to be talking about how poor you are you know what i mean like if you're addicted with something like you don't want to be talking about it like it's not it's it's it does the opposite to your ego like Mm -hmm. like you're used to like building up an ego identity like on social media like i have a perceived image or i people perceive me a certain way in my relationship or whatever and then it's like you yeah. bring this to the table and it just shatters that for a lot of people it's like oh they're not so perfect like they're not a b or c whatever so it's like super super hard to be honest about this stuff i think it's it's commendable to uh to to be to be saying it on a podcast <laughs> like it's awesome dude like i yeah. think it's, it's great that you're you're willing to share and all that and i think how how uh just how long have you been sober at this point? I just hit seventeen months on May third. Congrats, man! Yeah, man. So it's huge. It's like a very recent thing to you, and like I'm sure yeah. you're kind of figuring out like the tools that keep this ball rolling, like For sure. and, and openness being one of them. Just being For able sure. to talk about it, right? Yeah, man. Um, I I remember having one of my mentors, um, in the church tell me he's like, "Look, man, like I think you got a lot of potential." And I think that's great. I think you got a lot of gifts and you're going to be able to utilize them a lot more now that you're sober. But people are always going to relate, whether they want to or not, more with your dark times yeah. than anything else. That's yeah. going to, that's really what's going to speak to them. And I was just like, man, like I've always been the type of person, you know, to like um, go out of my way for a friend or like go out of my way for a joke. So I was just like, man, you know, like, and I think about it like, man, I've done some really shameful things <laughs> in my drinking days that I wasn't even like trying to do anything with, you know, it's like, how, how would I feel shameful about this? You yeah. Know, like really just being open about it and then talking about it, you know, um, and like you said, you know, like kind of taking away from the ego and, and they talk about alcoholism, like it's like, uh, an oversized ego with an inferiority complex, you know, so yeah. I, yep, I, don't need, I, don't, I don't need an ego because when I get an ego, it's not a good thing. You know yeah. what I mean? I'd yeah. much rather build up like my confidence in something else, you know, be that God on my flaws and just like looking back and being grateful and, and, um, you know, being, being thankful for, for where I came from, the things that have made me, me, yeah. you know what I mean? My essence. And I'm just like, man, that's cool. And then people feel that. And I'm just like, wow. You should try this too. You know yeah. what I mean? 
It's cool. such a great discovery. I mean, I feel like it's it's that way for everybody. I mean, for, even for me on this podcast, the things that the most people have reached out to me over have always been like when I talk about my panic disorder or yeah. like having issues like struggling with my family and the church growing up and yeah. like and deconstructing religion. Like there's, it's always, it's never the like, Oh, I mean, I shouldn't say it's never, but it's like, it's much more so that on a deeper level than like the more superficial stuff where it's mm-hmm. like, Oh cool, bro. Like you, you do social media for Stakeham. Like that's people will bring it up sometimes. And yeah. it's like an offshoot, like, cool like like a like icebreaker almost you know what i mean but like when once you get into like actual conversation like it's never the the accolades or the accomplishments or like the things that you feel like make you cool you know what i mean like it's always the thing that is like your flaw your crutch like whatever like that's the stuff that people want to relate to like that's why i think like you mentioned like the self-help culture and like there's like the sort of element of like individualism that is being perpetuated on a lot of levels. And I think that's a huge issue with uh, just like it's not everybody, but like it's that sort of like influencer life coach scene where you have like the guys like Gary Vee and Tony Robbins and like yeah. so much of the focus, whether whether it's uh, conscious or subconscious, like maybe they don't mean for it to be happening. I don't know. But like so much of the focus of that community like that the people who are drawn to it are drawn to this like super egotistical like empowerment of mm-hmm. the self and and for some people maybe like where they are in life maybe they need that like, maybe they need yeah. like an ego boost or whatever which is fine but it also like does a lot to ignore what you're talking about here which is the much more like human route to development yeah. it's the it's the much more like yeah like what is it like fi- uh what, oh, what the hell is it it's like five uh, what the, what is the number? It's a crazy number of like small businesses fail in the first five years. You know okay. what I mean? It's like it's like ninety nine. I want to say or wow. ninety something. Like, it's like yeah. it's an absurdly high number of small businesses fail the first five years. It's like people want they want to hear that, but yeah. like we're being marketed in a lot of cases that you don't want to hear it, that we just want to hear like what's the what's the magic pill for success i'm like there is no magic pill right. life is failures and repeating failures and yes. getting better than failing again yes. and that's what we do that's okay <laughs> and that's fine yeah okay, yeah nice. yeah Good stuff, though, man. Like, yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing all that. Was there anything else that you wanted to... We've been going for a while, and I just realized... Is there anything else you want to talk about or touch uh, on? No, I think I'm good, man. Yeah. I, I only have so much <laughs> social energy in the tank. <laughs> nah, being an in, introvert. Like, dude, I'm, an ex, I'm like the most extroverted person I know, and I still only got so much energy. I feel it. I can't imagine being an introvert and going along on a podcast. Hey, man. <laughs> you got a lot to say, though, man. That was, that was really good. I, I appreciate you... Uh, you um sharing those insights and, and that vulnerability to who you are and like a lot of these like really just dicey territories that you're kind of like yeah. weaving in and out of so yeah, it's no, cool. I, I definitely appreciate you having me and it's funny when you when you mentioned that earlier in the podcast about how like we've obviously been in a lot of the same close circles over our entire lives we've probably never really had a heart-to-heart and i'm just like man well dude it's more common than you think i mentioned this to almost everyone that i do a podcast with it's wild how the people like when i think about like the people in my life like even like close family like i've gotten one-on-one lunches and stuff with my little sisters mm-hmm. and like my parents and and so and obviously my best friends they might go out to lunch together but there's something like way 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 different about like a podcast where it forces you to like there's no phone there's no distraction it's just like me and the person and like you have to speak 
to whatever truth you're trying to get at. You know what I mean? And like for some people, like they listen to podcasts just for the sake of like sports banter or you know what I mean? Or whatever banter. And like, that's fine. That's great. That's fun. But like, I like to have the opportunity to like sit down with people like this because it's like, yeah, like even the closest people in my life, you don't really in life in general, you don't get that many chances to just one-on-one be like, who are you? Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, what's, what's your story? Like, we talk about it a lot. We talk about like, oh yeah, like talk around it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like oh yeah, like I kind of do this, right? I came from this, or this is what I think now, and like you, you, we try to like formulate these conversations in a lot of settings. I think, but it's very hard in, mm-hmm. in today's culture to find the time and the energy and the the because it is a vulnerable thing. You know? Yeah, like you're putting a recording of yourself out there. Right. And like. <laughs> 15 years from now, someone will probably find it and be like, John Moyer said this problematic thing 10, right. 10 15 years ago, and, and now he's canceled. And like, I'll be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> I own my I'd flaws. Say it again. <laughs> I own my flaws. They made me what I am. Yeah, but, but hey, man, it's not that. At, at the same time, it's hard, but it's not that hard because we just did it. Yeah. We're just, two, we're just two guys. We're just two normal guys. Yeah. It's not that bad. It's not. Some people, I mean, I get it. People, there's a lot of reasons to be afraid to do recordings, but like it's, I just think it's for the greater good. Everything's recorded now anyway. Like everything you've ever posted online, everything you've ever said. I have a criminal record. Yeah. (laughs) Where where am I going from here, bro? It's only up. It's only up. We're only going up. It's acceptance. It's freedom. I'm trying to tell you, man. I love it. I love it. No, that's beautiful, man. So cool. Thanks again, dude. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you for having me.